brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Friday Eve, people. Oh. Yes, Friday Eve. Welcome on in Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. D Gun, R. Ellis, hanging out with you. What's up, Crowley? What's up, little Richard? Hungry. What's up, Brandon? Sween Bolt. Peter, Mr. Taz, M. Reyes. If I missed anybody, jump back in and I'll say hi. Tina, what's up, girl? I hope everybody's doing well. Gunner, how you doing, my man? It's Thursday. It's a beautiful day outside. Except the landscapers out there. So if you hear an extraneous noise, uh -oh. um, you know, and I always tell my, my my daughter and son a lot, look, every Wednesday night I get all the dog toys out of the yard case so this dude doesn't chop them up with this big riding mower head. They left them out there. So uh, if they chop them up, hey, what the heck? That's their problem, not mine. <laughs> I, yeah. well, I got you. I uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. Swing Bowl, I, I got you, man. All good. Uh, good to be hanging with you. Phillies, big win. Yes, it was. D Gun, you 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 called me on the carpet. I gave you a prediction yesterday. You know what? I'm proud of you. You know, as shaky as the pitching has been, as shaking as Nola has been, especially when it comes to playing the Braves, you emphatically looked me in the eye and said, Yes, they will win. Yes. But I have to ask you, and when it went from four nothing to four zero, were you as confident in your prediction? No, I was not. I was waiting for the D-Gun text, in fact. After, if you didn't see the way the game ended, I get a lot of folks were at work and, and busy or whatever, uh, but we, we actually ended right in time to kind of catch it yesterday. But if you didn't see it, so it's 4-4, bottom of the ninth, one out, runner on third, and Arcia hits a, a foul pop midway between first base and right field. Yeah. So Nick Castellanos' momentum is taking him towards the stands. Now, most of the time, the right move is let it drop mm -hmm. because you're not going to be able to throw him out. And Luke Williams actually has good speed. He's a former yeah. Philly. He can run. So <laughs> he decides to catch it. He spins and throws an absolute seed, one hop to Garrett Stubbs, who applies the tag, and they get the out. It was a brilliant play. It really was. It was an unbelievable oh. play. I can't believe the runner took off from third and tried to score. Um, 
even because of where the depth of the where the pop file was. That I mean, I'll, you, you, even though he has good speed, I understand they're trying to end the game there, but you took yourself out of the inning. No, basically. Yep. You know, and even even Rob Thompson said we're all in the dugout going, let it drop. Let I it heard drop. Stubbs is going like no at the home plate, and then he had to get ready for the throw. It was it was crazy. And then look to their credit, they got two, which was huge instead of just one the next inning. Because then Atlanta in the bottom of the tenth got one and the yep. Phillies survived. It was it, it really had a playoff field kind of game to it. It really did. It was it, it was did. a lot of tense moments back and forth, et cetera. Pretty good, pretty good stuff. The one thing I've learned, and, and the, the Braves won the season series eight to five. The one thing I learned is that both of these teams can um, hit either each other's pitching. Yeah, you know, and these are going to be some softball type scores. These are not going to be low low scoring games. Yeah. Um, and later in the show, when we get into a little bit more um, about uh, this game yesterday, um, I found some interesting stats about the Braves pitchers. We, we talked about how dominant the Braves uh, pit pitching has been for them yeah. this year. That might be a little bit misleading, Robert. I'm going to Ooh, I yeah. like this. Okay. All right. All right. We'll, we'll dive into the Phillies uh, in a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm game for any of that kind of talk to you. All right. All right that's good. Uh, so we had that Eagles back at, oh, I, I had, I, I blew it here. Countdown. I have a countdown for you. You ready? Yeah. I was kind of, I was like, something's been missing in my, in my daily, daily dose of Rob Ellison. Yes. I don't know what it is. I got it for you. You ready? Yeah. What is it? We are 103 hours and five minutes and 20 seconds away from kickoff. 103 hours, five minutes. 10 seconds away from kickoff, Derek Gunn. You're welcome. I know you needed it. I got it for you. I took care of you. I did some math today. I got my fingers and my toes out. I got the abacus out. I got I got it done for you. All right, once, so we're good. Once again, it tells me that for a man who works a lot like you, you have too much free time. <laughs> well, I didn't want to get into what I was doing all day today, man. It was not fun. Not fun. No. no. Oh, I, I spent the day, the morning. Uh, I, I got up early and pre- I worked late, got up early prepped. I spent yeah. two hours in the bank uh, with with nonsense, with fraudulent, uh, you know, claims and, and and all kinds of BS oh, happening oh. to my account. It wasn't fun. It was not fun. Yes, Joe, I did get it. Got the hairs cut yesterday after the after the Phillies game. We uh, uh, we've all been there with bank issues, but I will say um, that my bank, PNC Bank, uh, that we've been with since the late '80s when we were still in Pittsburgh, um, is very meticulous in terms of. When you submit a fraud request, they are on top of it like a SWAT team. Mm. If they have, if they see anything in your account that looks irregular, they give you notifications saying, "Can you verify this?" Boom. They are very good about about that, you know. And, and that's the reason why, even when we came here and found out that PNC was here, we did not switch. And it's been true to form. Um, they have been consistent. Uh, and if something is missing from your account after their thorough investigation in a short amount of time. They will put the money back in your account. Or if somebody uh, charges something that shouldn't say, hey, look, you know, you need to stop this. Right. They are very diligent about stopping things and getting your money back into your account. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. Um, I haven't been necessarily pleased uh, with some of the customer service at my bank. So oh. there, may, oh. there may be a change coming. We'll just we'll just oh. leave it at that. There could be a change coming quite soon. So anyway, uh, yeah, so that, that's. Anybody who's been through it can relate. It sucks. It ain't fun. But anyway, enough of that. 
Um, all right, so we are getting closer, Derek. Now, I, I think uh, you're hearing good news on Bradbury. Is that correct, that that he could be as still? I, as I've heard as of last night, uh, he's fine. That's all I was told is he's fine. It doesn't mean he's, he's cleared concussion protocol, but it means he's out there at least practicing. And he's had an extended time off. You know, he got injured last Thursday. Right. And usually, even when a player gets injured on a Sunday, unless it's something extremely severe, by Thursday or Friday the following week, they're cleared and good to go for the following game. Right. You know, um, haven't seen anything. I don't know if you have. I haven't seen anything that says nothing. Bradbury's cleared and good to go. But, you know, I'm told he's fine, so I'm going on that as of right now. Yep. Haven't heard anything uh, official on him, so we're just waiting to find. Obviously, that's a big one. Blank and Chip coming back would be a big one. We know they're going to be without Nicobe Dean, but you you don't want to be in the same spot you were in last Thursday night, Derek, where, where it's just a bunch of young guys, you know, other than Slay. It's a bunch of young guys running around in the secondary. Uh, you know, the, the good news is you had, like, Cunningham stepped up at the linebacker spot. I thought he played very well. Uh, that's a good thing. The other good thing is you are going to have younger guys playing on Monday, but at least you will have more time for these guys to, to kind of get used to what they need to do for their roles, what they're going to be asked to do, yep. et cetera. So that, that, that should be good news at least, is at least a little bit more time to prep. Yeah. Um, everything is in this team's favor right now in terms of you're 2-0. Uh, you have a lot of things to clean up on both sides of the football. Uh, bodies that fell by the wayside. And, um, you know, you're right. I misspoke. Um, Bradbury got hurt uh, week Sunday one. against the Patriots. Yeah. yeah so it, it'll be, it'll be, jeez, uh, three weeks in a day. Yeah. I appreciate, appreciate the clarity. Yeah. Um, or two weeks week so he's had more than enough time um, to get ready. Yeah. Um, you, you have a, a lot of time to do some soul searching. Um, and your next opponent is not really one of the so-called heavyweights in the NFL or the NFC for that matter. Right. You know, luckily you're not facing Dallas or San Francisco with, with all these question marks coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're facing a Tampa Bay team that you cannot overlook. Yeah. Um, with Baker Mayfield, who's playing extremely well. Um, but until further notice, Tampa Bay is not considered a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. So everything is stacking up in the Eagles' favor to go down to Tampa and answer a lot of questions in front of a national audience. Yeah, I mean, what we don't know right now when it comes to Tampa is, I, I listen, winning in Minnesota week one on the road is a good win, in my opinion. I know, right. I know Minnesota's 0-2, but I think that's a good win for a team that we didn't have high expectations for. Right. I take nothing away from the fact that they beat the Bears last week. The Bears are a disaster. The Bears should have like, oh my goodness, you know, like a chalk line around them and the yellow caution tape. Like they're they're. We'll get into them later. What a day they had yesterday. So oh that to me, like I don't know. I know the Bucks are playing better than we expected, and Baker is doing a good job not turning it over and all those things, taking nothing away from him. But that win last week, I mean, the, the the Bears might be the most dysfunctional team in football right now. I mean, hands down. Um, I, I don't like to see anybody go through this, but you know, um, there was so much speculation and that's why you have to be careful of what you report. And I'll share with you what I found out because I have a, uh, a friend who works for the bears and I've been texting back and forth with them. Um, you gotta be careful what you put out there a lot of times because the initial report, you know, made it seem like, wow, if this is true, 
What an embarrassing situation for the Chicago Bears. Then you find out maybe some of the stuff that you heard initially is not true. Um, so you got a you got a head coach who hired this guy, and now this guy walks away, and all this stuff starts coming out. You're 0-2. Your quarterback is being critiqued as somebody who's not shown signs of improvement. Um, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better for this team anytime soon. Yeah. Um, that, that you're right. That is what you call, um, a professional mess. Yeah. So just for what it's worth, uh, Ryan Poles, who's the bears GM today, uh, denies that there was a raid on Hallis hall. Uh, so, but, but he wouldn't really give much clarity on, on the defensive coordinator stepping down. It's, they've, they've been extremely mum on this, Derek. Like they put a statement out that he's leaving, but they're, I don't. I don't think there's there, there's some unhappiness there. There's something. There's something I think that's going to come out at some point that usually does. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but nonetheless, they they had a day yesterday. We'll get into some of the other stuff that Justin Fields had to say and then walk back and you know it, again it makes you as much as AJ Brown had a little dust up on the sidelines. The Eagles that's don't have nothing. any of this kind of nonsense. No, and 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 hopefully what the the brain trust is putting out there is true. Because, Rob, as we know, um, if there's something more, there's enough people that would, whether it's locally in Chicago or nationally, right? everybody has a source somewhere. And if it comes out, you're talking about a, a state of embarrassment. If it comes out, it's otherwise, if it's something other than what the Bears organization is saying, man, and you still got to navigate an entire season? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah, good luck with that. Uh, that's for sure. It's going to be a mess there, but yeah, so we're inching closer to this Eagles game and, and, you know, the Monday night is the, it's good for the team, bad for the fans because you just, you want your team to play on Sunday. The, the less you have to wait, the better, you know, we all know that, but yeah, I mean, getting some of those guys back is going to be huge. You know, if Blankenship comes back from the ribs, if Kenneth Gainwell comes back from the ribs, I mean, I just think about the options you have at running back if Gainwell's healthy with all four guys, I, I wonder who would see, I think Swift would start. I think Gamewell would get touches. Yep. I think Penny would be the odd man out. So I was going to say, who's the inactive one? Penny again, probably. Yeah, I think Penny would be, be the odd man out because, you know, and, and, and oh, we also remember Boston Scott's in concussion protocol also. That's right. He, yeah, he um, left the game. Left so the game yep. he's the return guy. So Scott would be up before Penny. That's right. Um, so, yeah, um, I still don't understand this Penny situation. I really don't, but obviously there's something. I always thought Boston Scott would be fourth in the depth chart, but it's quite obvious that Penny has has slipped down to number four in the depth chart, which means there's no guarantee he could finish the season with this team, depending on what they think of him. You know, and his money's non guaranteed. No, no. You know, the thing is though, once you make the fifty three, you're automatically guaranteed your salary for that season. Right. But he has no guaranteed money, uh, upfront money beyond that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's and how he and how he does not like to eat, um, you know, cap money unless he absolutely have to has to. So if they decide to part ways with um Penny and bring in another running back, that tells you exactly what they thought of him in terms of how he deteriorated from training camp up until this point of a season. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's he's still a young man, uh, you yeah, know. I, I know he's had a lot of injuries. It seems like they never, I mean, he was playing late in preseason games. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. not a good sign for a veteran. Well, in his case, who else were you going to play? I mean, no, you, I know. And he you know, needs reps. 
you know, yeah. he also needs reps bad. Um, but you're right. Him playing that late into a game in the preseason was a little eye opening because you still had a couple guys just trying to get film out there. Yeah. Uh, to get, catch on with another team. Um, has, 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 have the injuries taken that much of a toll on him to the yeah. point where he's not all the way back to what he was. And obviously the team never admitted it openly admitted it. Nobody in the media has come out and addressed that issue as well. Um, but I, I just thought for sure at the very worst, at the very worst, he would be the number two back in his offense. I wonder, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, it's food for thought, right. For sure. With what's happening with him, but I don't. I'm not, I wouldn't be in any any uh, rush to get rid of Rashad Penny. I I just you know you see what's sort of left out there, man. It, it isn't great. <laughs> so uh, I I think I prefer that he's here. Let me put it to you that way. Um, I agree. Just as an insurance policy, you know, yeah. no question about that. You know, um, his money already is already under the cap, and obviously it's not straining their cap in case they have to do something else. I would keep him for an insurance policy as long as he's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see a report saying, you know, uh, Eagles wave him with, uh, uh, put him on IR with, uh, uh, what is it? What is um, uh, they pay him off when they get rid of him? Yeah, I know what you mean. What yeah. um, uh, he, I think he does have some value, especially in short yardage situations. Strong lower leg drive, running back, um, doesn't seem to have that breakaway. You know, especially the way the Eagles are running the ball against Minnesota, he doesn't appear to have that breakaway. It's like three yards. And, and four, if you, or four or five, if you're lucky. Yeah, he's not a burst guy. Not anymore. No. no. Um, and again, I go back to I don't know if the injuries have taken a toll and caught up to him yet, but um, I definitely would try to keep him as an insurance policy compared to what you would be looking for in the open market. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, look, the, the one thing is, I would say Swift is sort of medium, but the other two guys are small. I, I would still want a guy around with a little bit of size, um, you know, like he has, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it is interesting. I, I, JM brings up a good point. I was surprised by this yesterday as well. And we talked about it. I can't believe Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt got 4 million. Like I was expecting 1.5 yeah. two. Uh, yeah. but for a guy who, who sat it out, wrote it out, it, you know, it paid off for him. For sure, but I don't see anybody else getting anywhere near that kind of money, like a Leonard Fournette or somebody else who's still out there. No chance. Well, you know, I mentioned on the show when we talked about the prospects, he was at the top of my list to go back to Cleveland because he knew that system well. Yeah, and obviously he was sitting out waiting for the best possible offer. I believe Cleveland was so desperate that they had to up the ante a little bit. If I'm Kareem Hunt, you know, first thing I'm thinking is, okay, well, how bad do you want me here? You know, um, I really don't have to come back here which which is a little bit interesting considering kareem's never made that big big money you know um and but kareem held the cards you know cleveland was desperate they could have approached leonard fournette they could have approached some other backs but like i said the other uh, other day when we discussed this he is the first candidate up because he knows that system he knows how the browns do things do things he knows that offensive line he knows the zone running scheme that they have He's the perfect fit to bring back in there. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. But you're right, giving him $4 million, I was a little surprised by that. But that just goes to show you how desperate Cleveland was to get somebody who, who could help pick up that slack lost by Nick Chubb. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So give me, give me your overall sense here, Derek. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I gave you the countdown, how far away we are, et cetera. But what, what is your sense of, of, of this team right now? Is, is it just you, you can't really – 
come to any kind of conclusions this early? Uh, you're seeing things that you expected. What are things that surprised you? Where are you Eagles-wise right now? Defensively, uh, they're playing as expected. When you have a plethora of new coaches and new young talent to integrate, as well as new veteran talent, you don't hit the ground running because you don't get enough great game reps together as a collective started uni to form some type of cohesiveness. I'm a little surprised. I say surprised, but not concerned about the Eagles offense. You know, we talked about this going into the season. Coordinators have had all this time to sit back and dissect this Eagles offense to see what they could take away, how they could gamble and try to attack. And we've seen it twice now in a span of four days. And so, I'm basing it on what AJ said. We're seeing looks that we didn't expect, and when the ball is snapped, what we think is is not. So now they know they're going to see a little bit more of that. So during this time off, this extended time off, if I'm Sirianni and Brian Johnson, you know, I'm talking to my receivers. All right, if you see this and all of a sudden it drops into this, then you break off your route this way or that way. Right. Or you do this, you know, you and your quarterback should be able to make eye contact and realize that you've altered your pattern. From a running perspective, if they give you this front and all of a sudden they drop out, this is what you do to counter that. You know, these are things that happen in a fraction of a second, but those are the type, those are everyday common occurrences for an offense adjusting on the fly at the snap of a ball. You have to be in sync, you know. So they got an they got a wake-up call the first two games in terms of how teams are trying to attack them. Now they've had not a chance to digest and study. Now Todd Bowles likes to do things a little bit different. He loves that Tampa 2 defense, you know, with the two high safeties. He's not going to come out of that much. But the games that they play underneath, it may take the Eagles a series or two to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But they better figure it out sooner rather than later. Don't allow Tampa Bay to hang around at the end, especially in their ballpark. Yeah, that, that's where I'm, I'm like, to me, the 11 days is the key to this thing. You know, I, I I think there's like the first game of the year, you're it's a feeling out process. You don't have much preseason. It's Bill Belichick, understandable. What's up, Fitness Rebel? Uh, all those kind of things are understandable. Week two, it's a four-day turnaround. You, yep. you're, you're back on the field right away. You're banged up. It's there's a lot going on with that for both teams. I, I can I can put all that aside. What I can't put aside is that the passing offense looks the same way this week. I, that to me is a is a worrisome sign. Not panic, but it's getting really close to, to being majorly concerned because it'll tell me the coaches can't figure out how to adjust. The quarterback really is in his own, own head a little bit here. Um, and, you know, there, there'll be a lot of a plethora of other things, including the offensive line pass blocking, which we'll get into in a little bit and all those things. But if it looks this way again with this much time where it's almost like a mini buy, that's a bad sign for this team. If the, if the passing game if the passing game looks anything near like it did the first two games, then I will go from surprise to now concern. You know, if this was another a short week type game in the third game of the season, um, okay, you're saying okay, you didn't have a lot of time to turn it around. You're dealing with this, you're dealing with that injury, so on and so forth. But um, now you've had that extended breather to catch your breath, to regroup, to reanalyze. How, your first 15 scripted plays, whatever the case may be. Um, the passing game cannot look anything like what it did the first two games. Yep. Now, I'll give Brian Johnson credit. They adjusted on the fly, and they pounded it down Minnesota's throat once Minnesota decided they weren't coming out of that shell that they were playing, you know, dropping seven, eight guys into coverage. Mm -hmm. And the Eagles just chewed them up in the run game. Um, that could happen again Monday night. They may have to pound it, pound it down Tampa Bay's throat to keep – 
Tampa's offense off the field and to wear uh, Tampa Bay's defense down. So we got to see how the game flows. If Tampa Bay is flooding the zones with more people back in coverage, then we have to give them a little bit of, of, of leeway again because they did what they needed to do to win a game. If they come right. out of this game 3-0 and and it's more running again compared to passing, then it's not really a fair assessment, is it? Of what the passing game should be. Right. No, I'm with you in the sense that you, look, you got in game, you got to do what you got to do. And, and and they did it last week. They adjusted. We saw them do a, a bunch of times. The myth is they didn't do this last year. They absolutely did it last year. They did it in a bunch of games. Where really they, just, did. they ran the ball. They they milk clock, you know, the, the Phoenix or the Arizona game, the Houston game, the Indianapolis game, all those games. The the run game took over. Um, so I, I'm okay with that, but I want to see them be able to take shots and keep the defense honest. Like my guess is Tampa loads the box in this game yeah. and, and they're going to say, or maybe they take the approach that the teams took the first two weeks where we're not going to let you run or, or throw, excuse me, yeah. down the field. Yeah. If you're going to beat us through the run, you're going to beat us through the run. I don't know. I mean, Todd Bowles is a really adept defensive mind yes. that much. I know. And he's going to take a little bit from here, a little bit from there. What Belichick did, what Flores did, what he thinks. And it's going to be interesting to see the way they attack and what they try and take away early because the Eagles did. They, I mean, with 270, what, what, what was it? 257 yards or whatever. You can't sneeze. That's a lot of yards. It, 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 there's one thing I expect to see Tampa do that I'd be surprised if they didn't is that if their edge rushers emulate what both um, New England and Minnesota did rush to a certain point, hold your ground and keep Jalen in a, in a corral and don't let him dip to the outside. Uh, I would be surprised if, if if Tampa Bay didn't try at least that that aspect of their scheme in terms of trying to defend Jalen. In terms of what kind of games uh, they're going to play, because Todd Bowles likes to blitz also. Mm-hmm. Are they going to blitz? You know, And if so, can Jalen find the hot read quick enough to get rid of the ball? Are we going to be talking about, again, him missing wide-open receivers? Um, will, will Tampa Bay be able to force turnovers with whatever scheme they come up with? Those are the little nuances we're going to have to look for in terms of, you know, point counterpoint in this in this matchup Monday night between this Eagles offense and Tampa Bay's defense. All right, let's come back and we're going to dive into uh, what you think the bigger concern is the the issues with the passing game or the injuries on the defensive side. We'll delve into both of those things when we get back. Don't go anywhere. That's our come. By the way, one thirty, we'll have Eastern University head football coach. Billy Crocker joins us. Uh, they played their third game of the season this past week, Gunner, and we will talk to the coach not only about his squad, get his thoughts on the Eagles as well. We'll do all those things when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, it's that time, right? 1230-ish. Got the hunger pains. I know. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, Bravo Pizza of Havertown is the best. They've been family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and his great crew. They're there seven days a week, just <clears throat> putting together the most uh, fresh and and amazing food each and every day. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. Uh, I get the grandma upside down style, which I think is phenomenal. But any way you want it, they'll make it. They have specialized pizza your way. If you're not up for pizza, they have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, you name it. The other great thing is Bravo Pizza of Havertown is all about the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. Team Foster last week to, to help uh, servicemen connect with uh, 
with support dogs. And it's just a great, great cause. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of, at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you Thursday. We got a game tonight, D-Gunn. Uh, banged up Giants, man. No Saquon. They got other problems, too. Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, also not playing. That, that that is not a good sign when you're you're going to San Francisco against the Niners for sure. This could be like the Alamo tonight. <laughs> now I have to watch because you gotta watch this 49ers defense and gotta watch all of their plays of misdirection, all their motion. You gotta watch because everybody wants to see the 49ers and, and analyze the 49ers. Um, but I expect this game could be over by halftime, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think Vegas thinks the same way. The line is uh, the 49ers minus 10 and a half. Only 10 and a half? I thought it'd be bigger than that. Yeah, well. I, I, you know, and, and the other thing is it's always harder on the road team on the Thursday night games yes. too. Yes, especially when you go. Well, they didn't have to go cross country. because No, they, they stayed. You're right. They, they yeah. went from Phoenix to. Yeah, to uh, San Jose yeah. To, uh, to work out. And then obviously down to Santa Clara where the 49ers now play. Um, but still, you got to go into a lion's den and you're less than 100%. Look, trying to come back against the 49ers compared to uh, Arizona the way you did, that's light years different. So um, I expect Christian McCaffrey to have a big game uh, because I'm surprised as there is, uh, the Giants defense has been as porous as it has the first couple of games. Uh, so I expect McCaffrey and Brandon Dayuk to have big games against the Giants. Unless somehow, some way, by a miracle, the Giants shock the world and can go toe-to-toe with this team and lose gracefully. I'll tell you who they're unhappy with up there. Uh, would New York be up there? Yeah, they're above us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau. They're, they're not – Yeah. You know, he didn't I, – I think it's a little early, you know, to be pushing any kind of panic buttons on him. But, you know, it's like he – He's a guy who will do some talking, um, and there hasn't been the uh, – he's been banged up to a little bit his rookie year, but there hasn't been the the return for what you thought he was going to be with where you took him and for for some of the stuff that he – you know, for the talking that he does. No, and, and especially in a week, uh, um, a Wink Martindale defense, um, I expected him to be uh, more of a force coming off the edge, and that hasn't been the case for whatever reason. Um you know, especially when you're drafted as high as he is. But, you know, there are a lot of times, you know, some 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 rookies like a B. John Robinson come out of the gate and just flourish hitting the ground and running. And some other first-round picks, you know, take a little bit longer to get going. Aiden Hutchinson came out of the gate hitting the ground running. Right. You know, uh, you look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young is not even close to what, you know, people anticipated the first overall pick in the NFL draft being. And again, he's a quarterback. He's got to learn. Yeah. He's already nicked up. He hasn't played. Bryce hasn't even practiced this week yet. And not good. So that's not good. You know, but when you slide a bill and you're playing against men, you're not playing against boys. You know, uh, even the worst team in the NFL has grown men tattooing you. Uh, <laughs> he, he's uh, he's feeling those bumps and bruises and aches, aches a little bit more than he ever felt at the co- college level. But um you know, for, for, for Thibodeau, this is his second year. And I expected him to be a little bit further along in that defensive scheme has not been the case. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, in New York, like Philadelphia, we love to magnify things when they're not going right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then, look, it'll be – if he doesn't show up tonight, 
and make an impact. They're going to, they're going to get crazy, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see the discord D gun when it comes to the, uh, to the giants. All right. Uh, bigger concern for you. What we've seen thus far from the passing game slash Jalen hurts or the defense and their injuries. Um, like if you're looking at this game on Monday and we don't know yet, who's going to be everybody who's going to be playing, but let, let's assume for a minute that Bradbury and Blankenship are playing. We're just just for hypothetical purposes that they're playing. What are you worried about more going into the game? Still what they have on defense or what's happening with the passing offense? Um, I would say right now more so with the defense because once frontline guys drop, you're counting on a lot of young, inexperienced players to fill the gap. Um, and we knew that going into this season. And with the shocking volume of, of, of injuries – uh, that are happening now. And the Eagles have already been hit by that injury bug significantly early on. You just cross your fingers and toes and hopes that, that some prominent player doesn't drop during the course of the game, especially in the back end of the defense. Again, the offense I'm not concerned about right now because the pieces are there. Outside of Gainwell's uh, rib injuries, um, obviously they showed against Minnesota that they can get by without having Gainwell in there, especially if – if Gamewell is not out, not in there this week, then obviously Penny's up again. So you you're three, still three deep, and if you know when you look at the way Boston Scott and Swift run, the running game's in good hands. It's only a matter of time before Jalen Hurts finds his best buddy, AJ Brown. You know they're going to take a few shots. You know they took a few shots and were successful against Minnesota. One was a 54 yard, and one was a 63 yard touchdown. You know so they're going to get their shots, especially if they can identify. When Tampa Bay is creeping up and trying to, uh, you know, flood the line of scrimmage uh, to control that run game or to put more pressure on Jalen Hurts and force him to make a decision sooner than he wants, um, we're going to see how the Eagles counter with that. But as we sit here right now, the Eagles still have enough against this particular team overall. Even if it's a knockdown, dragout battle, the Eagles personnel is much better overall than Tampa Bay's personnel, and I expect the Eagles to win this game Monday. I do too. Um, I, you know, I look at it. I, I go into the game thinking Tampa's going to get some. I'm not saying their offense is going to go. Tampa's offense is going to go crazy, but I think right. they're going to get right. some because of the injuries and because of the inexperience. And, and almost similar to not. I don't think it's going to look quite as bad as last week, where, where there's miscommunication and guys are wide open. But I believe that Mike Evans. I believe that Chris Godwin, their their tight end, are going to do some things. That it is similar in this sense, Derek then I think this is a very one-dimensional team too. Like I, I don't think Tampa's a very good running team. I, I think they're, they they could abandon it early if they're not able to have success. The Eagles right now are the number one rush defense in the foot in football. Yep. Yep. And that's the way Minnesota was last week. They just, they couldn't run it. They didn't try and run it. And then they became one-dimensional and that's where you can get Baker in some trouble. Uh, so I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. They w- Therefore with the amount of pass attempts and the issues you have, you know, defensively, I think they're going to score some points, but I don't see any reason. I, and I know how good Todd Bowles is, but I don't see any reason why the Eagles offense can't bounce back. Can't look more two dimensional as opposed to just being able to run the ball. I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't think Tampa secondary is great. Um, they're, they haven't been great against the pass so far. They've been really good against the run. And like we talked about in the first segment, I'm not sure exactly what the game plan is going to be, what they look to take away. They may still continue with the, we're not going to let, the Eagles beat us downfield. We're not going to let Hertz beat us with his legs. It, it, it's it's it, going to be interesting because if you let the Eagles run all over you, they will. But who knows? Well, 
You know, looking at the Eagles' pass rush, they've gotten pressure on people and they've generated six QB sacks. But if 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 um, Baker Mayfield is putting the ball up 40, 45 times a game and they're not getting to him, that does not bode well for this defense because they're completing passes downfield and they're controlling the clock and keeping Eagles' offense off the field. The, the, the best-case scenario is to force Baker to throw 45 – times a game, have him running for his life, throw balls out of bounds, get him out of bounds, get him on the turf. Um, again, so far under Canales, Baker has looked a lot different in terms of consistency the first two games. But this Eagles pass rush needs to get home. And I understand, we understand that Hassan Reddick is not 100% yet, but you have enough pieces to that equation uh, from Brandon Graham, Barnett, um, to get home with a little bit more frequency. Um, if they don't, that's not good. That's not good because Tampa Bay has the ball and the Eagles don't. You have to get some turnovers. You have to force Baker to make some mistakes. You have to get some hits on Baker. Yep. Um, not just early in the game, but you got to get hits on him in the second, third, and the fourth quarter to make him cough up the football and do some things that he doesn't want to do. You got to take, you've got to take Baker Mayfield out of a rhythm especially with Mike Evans being on the receiving end of a lot of these passes. Yeah, I think the other thing with Baker is, and he's been better at it so far this year, but he'll, <clears throat> sometimes he'll he'll challenge, you know, like he gets a little uh, Josh Allen in him sometimes, where yeah. he'll take guys on, uh, and he'll try and force things. And I'm not completely convinced that he's turned the page on that. Like, I, I think we that, that guy's still there somewhere. But you gotta you gotta force him into some mistakes. The a big thing is if he's down, is where you could see him force some things. Uh, but that's gonna be a, a big key to this thing is continue to to nullify, you know, Tampa's running attack and then make them one dimensional. And then I think that's how you can really get to Baker. But I, if you're asking me, I'm way more concerned about the defense than I am about the Eagles' offense. I think the Eagles' yes. offense will be okay. Uh, yes. Um but 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 we should be we, we we should be um right where we thought we would be with our mindset on this defense we know it's evolving and we know they've got some great young through two games i love the fact that the young guys in the, in the trenches are showing up uh playing well controlling the line of scrimmage not giving them the opposition gaping holes to run through that aspect of it but the other components and especially with nicobe dean out is a big question mark. Now, you know, Nicholas Morrow came in, played well for him. Zach Cunningham played well for him. Hmm. Um, but that's a one-game sample. I need to see a lot more of that, you know. Um, and, and against a team like this, you know, Tampa Bay is basically a one-dimensional team, you know. It's a lot like Minnesota is right now, one-dimensional team. It's a pass-happy team. But look at what happened in that Minnesota game, you know. And by no stretch of the imagination am I saying – Baker Mayfield is even close to a Kirk Cousins, yeah. you know, in terms of, of, of accuracy with the ball. But, you know, I, I look at I look at ba Baker Mayfield's tenure as a pro quarterback. His rookie year, he completed 63% of his passes. Then it went down to 59, 62, 60, 57, 63. And right now at a career high through two games, 69%. So he, he's never evolved in terms of, of becoming this so-called um, elite a passer in the National Football League. He can be rattled. Granted, he's been, you know, sacked a number of times in his career and what as well. Hasn't played behind the greatest offensive lines, although that Browns offensive line started to become dominant 
in 2020-21, uh, his third and last year in Cleveland. But by that time, they were done with him and he moved on. Um, you know what, Rob? Sometimes all it takes is the right coordinator to see things, to see kinks in the armor, to see things um, in, in your mechanics, your throwing motions um, that can turn on a light switch that you didn't have before in terms of a mentor. And like I, like I said yesterday, this offensive coordinator that uh, uh, that Tampa Bay has. Dave Canales. Dave Canales, he did wonders with Russell Wilson in Seattle. And through two games, this has been very unlike Baker Mayfield, basically flawless, 70%, almost 70% completion and no interceptions. And he has not been sacked much. That's another big key. He has not been sacked much this year. It is. It is. I, I, let me throw one more thing in there. You know, maybe the best thing that happened to him last year was getting released. He ended up, if you remember, he went to the Rams for, for yep. a couple of weeks. And, and yeah, to his credit, he came in and played pretty well with not knowing the system and, and you're saying. But I think maybe being around Sean McVay and having some time to sort of reset a little bit may have really helped him. Yeah. You know, yep. I, I mean, you know, he went from the pressure cooker, you know, with the Browns and everything else that, that, that went down there, got away from it for a minute in LA and uh, it may have, may have helped him, you know, son, who knows, you know, we'll see. But I, I think he's an interesting case study, man, of, of somebody who had high expectations on him. It, 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 he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't, no. I think he was overdrafted too. I, well, you know what? We can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, when you think about the last 10 years, some of the quarterbacks that have gone in the top 15, top 20 um, and that haven't panned out, yeah, about a lot of QBs. Maybe, maybe he was just in the wrong system for him with the wrong um, quarterback coach slash offensive forward coordinator. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe this is maybe this is the perfect guy for him. We don't know, but I think if Baker Baker has a good game against the Eagles Monday night, then from a from a Tampa Bay standpoint, the combination of Baker Mayfield and Dave Canales. Uh, the Bucks organization has to be feel pretty good about where the quarterback situation is, not just for this season, but possibly for the next few years. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but, but I'm, let me get back to the offense for a minute. Um, how much do you put on Hertz versus all the other extraneous things? Like, you know, like it's the first game of the season; it's a new new offensive coordinator. Uh, Offensive line maybe hasn't blocked it up as well as we thought for the passing game. How much do you put on Hertz? Uh, I'm not going to say a, a lot of it, but some of it. I mean, you know, he hasn't looked as smooth in the first two games as we thought he would. Uh, he's held on to the ball in situations longer than I thought he would. He has missed wide open receivers, and he's he's honed in on a primary target and try to get um, get get that primary target the ball a little bit more than I, I thought he would have been able to, been able to check down, um, but again, because because schemes are different towards him now, I'm giving him a few games to figure it out. You know, I expect to see that more fluid Jalen Hurst that we we saw all of last season. You know, after that that initial game against Detroit, and even he put up great numbers against Detroit in that first game. You know even though that game was probably his overall worst game of the season. Um, but I expect to see more fluidity in his game. And he doesn't have to throw for 350, 400 yards for me to see that fluidity. I want to see the decision-making process improve. 
and give back to that guy who finished as the runner-up MVP in the league last year. It's a big, it's a big test for him in terms of settling in and getting back to who we all thought Jalen would be coming out of the gate in the, uh, in the opener of the season. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I just think it's a matter of time. I really do. I think it's a matter of time. It's early. I think we're going to look back. I swear to you. I think in six weeks, seven weeks, we're going to look back and say, remember they started kind of slow passing the ball. And I, I, I really, I think we're going to look back at it and just say, you know what? Lesson learned here early in a season. You know, and the other thing is he, you know, the, the, I think one of the reasons why Jalen was so successful last year was it was his second straight year having the same offensive coordinator. Yes. And I know he knows Brian Johnson. I get it, but it is different. It is different and, it, and it's new again. So it's, it's going to take a little while. I don't think it's going to take a long time for them to figure it out and get on the same page, but sometimes it takes a little while. Well, going off of what you said by the sixth or seventh game, he better have it figured out and get back to what he was because that's when he hit the teeth of their schedule, you know, so you better, you better figure it out by then. If not, you know, the public outcry of what it's going to be every week, you know, about Jalen paid him all this money. And look, you know, the money's gone to his head. You know, maybe the money pressures are getting to him, so on and so forth. You know, um, you you've got you've got to figure this thing out because uh, you got some t- you got some defenses that are going to be coming after you. You know, and I'm you know just just the Jets and Buffalo alone. Uh, you know, Kansas City's defense is going to blitz. We know that's a given. They're going to blitz. You know, they're going to leave their corners on an island with the receivers, and they're going to blitz Jalen Hurts. So you better figure this thing out by by game six or seven. Or we, we're going to be sitting here talking about the same things again. What's wrong with Jalen? Why is he missing open targets? Why is he holding on to the ball too long? All these things are going to start increasing and intensifying in terms of trying to break down what's wrong with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's and, and the other thing is you have to also understand in this league, there are brilliant guys scheming it up and there are, are brilliant guys executing those schemes on the field. And, and sometimes it takes a little while now, not always the case. And there are certain people that are above everything. Like Patrick Mahomes is an exception to every rule that there is, but there are a lot of quarterbacks. And I'm not even saying this is going to be the case with Jalen this year who take a mini step back sometimes, and then they figure it out and they understand what teams are doing to them. And they, and they, they, they get what they're seeing. And then once that happens, once they the, the, the light bulb goes on, then they get back to being who they are. I think I think right now Jalen's in a feeling out stage. You know, I think he's in he's yeah. in, sort of in the dark, reaching around. All right, I know the walls here. I know where the lamp is. I'm gonna try and get to the light. Like, I think he's just right now. It's not all the way on like it was last year. And I think we all got spoiled. I mean, let's face it. You had an offense that was a top ten offense. You had a defense that was a top ten defense. They took the ball away. They sacked the quarterback. They ran through most teams. You you were naive to think it was going to be exactly the same this year. No, because the this, this, this schedule is stronger this year. Yeah, You're playing a plethora of teams that are, are playoff-minded, that were playoff teams last year and are still playoff-minded teams. You know, from the Buffaloes, the Kansas City, Dallas twice, Seattle, you know, um, so on and so forth. You've got teams that, that – that, that are, are, are going to be in the playoffs on your schedule. You didn't have a lot of those last year. Yeah. Now this, but you're still in a conference that that's down. Most of your stiff competition is coming from AFC teams. You know, if you think about it, outside of Dallas and the 49ers, uh, who has who who really concerns you as far as the NFC opponents? You know, I'm still not worried about Washington. I, I still need to see more from Washington, even with that gallant comeback they had against uh, uh, 
it was a Den- Arizona, Denver, yeah. you know, even though they have the gallon comeback, I still need to see more. I got to see Washington against better competition. Um, yeah, and- because we don't know what Denver is. No, we don't know what Denver is. Sean Payton's already talking about dialing back the play calling yeah. for Russell Wilson. That, like, th- that's a bad sign. Yes. You know, you're already two games into the season and you're pulling out the, the SOS on the play calling. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, really? You know? uh, yeah, not good. Not so- good. Yeah. So I, I don't know, and you know, and I don't know what I'm looking at when it comes to Washington, but I do know that with the injuries that the Eagles have endured already in two games, and with the heavy hitting games coming up, um, you got to proceed with caution in a lot of areas, yeah. a, a lot of areas on this team. You know, what would happen if they lose one of their two frontline receivers? You know, which they did not do last year. What happens if they lose Devontae Smith? Um, or A.J. Brown for two or three games because of an injury. Are you comfortable with uh, who receivers number three and four are right now in the Eagles? Well, we haven't seen anything. From Other than God? And, yeah. and Quez Watkins, he's another – like when we talk about the injuries, we don't even talk about him. No. He didn't he – did, he injured his hamstring in that game. And, and so he's – so, so you know, they can't afford to lose frontline players right now, especially at the skill position. You can't. No, you're right. And, and that's uh, – they're, they're thin there for sure. There are – there aren't a lot of great options behind the uh, the first two guys. That's for sure. But I would do if I'm Nick slash Brian Johnson. I'm I'm early, trying to get Jalen into a flow with high percentage throws. That's what I'm doing, and I, and I I want him to feel good about himself again. Now, look, he hasn't been terrible. I've seen people say in the chat like he's been bad. I I don't. I'm not saying he's been bad, but he hasn't played at the sort of uh, MVP discussion kind of quarterback that we saw last year it it it, it looks like he's just out of rhythm right now out of sorts which happens i mean it happens in sports you you you, things happen you lose a little confidence and you know you're not quite there yet i think he will get back to it i really do and i think he's been okay uh for the most part but certainly not what he was last year so far well see jm jm in the chat says it perfectly we've been talking about this all week hurts is taking unnecessary sacks looks tentative running and not finding open receivers. You're right. That's what we've talked That's about uh, all week long. Yep. But the big question is why? Yeah. Why is this happening with him? Because even if you have to make in-game adjustments, the good teams make those in-game adjustments and, and, and attack uh, what the opposition is, is trying to take away from them. They, they alter their game plan. Why hasn't it been so fluid? They did a good job of going to a dominant run game um, against Minnesota, but still, when Jalen steps back to put it in the air, he's back there looking too much. You know, especially when you got guys running crossing routes. How many times has he has he missed the underneath guy and tried to go to the deeper guy to route, and it hasn't been there? You know that those are the things that 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 are a little bit surprising about Jalen at this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was bringing in an OC, if if the Eagles were bringing in an OC from the outside, I say, okay, I understand the the jaggedness um, um, of, of what is going on. But he's known Brian Johnson forever. Brian Johnson knows him. Brian Johnson, even though he didn't have the title of OC, has been there from day one with the Nick Sirianni regime. So it should be just a natural transition. We understand Brian Johnson is going to put his own niche on this offense, but it's the same personnel, basically, except for the right tackle and, and, and a running back. But it's the same machine for the yeah. most part. It is. It is. All right. When we come back, uh, Derek, we're going to look at positives and negatives. I'll give an example of each. Jalen Carter would fall into the positive category. That's for sure. 
you know, negative category, uh, defense versus the pass. So we'll get into that when we come back, the positives, the negatives, who's been quiet thus far. Uh, we'll dig into all kinds of Eagle stuff, 130. Uh, Coach Crocker from Eastern University, 2 o'clock, our NFL segment. We'll mix in some Phillies uh, coming up uh, a little bit later as well. We'll do all of that when we come back. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a very scary proposition. I'm right there in the front of the line. It took me a long time to find the right person, but you don't have to go through that. Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group are the people that you can trust with your finances. Trust me when I tell you that, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, uh, insurance review, you might have a small business, you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I have personally entrusted my IRA, my 401k with Jim, and, and I have never looked back. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. Give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. can email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
GLES Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. Appreciate you hanging with us. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. Uh, on this Thursday. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go positives, Derek, because they are 2-0. and Let's start there. Uh, hard thing to win in this league. Uh, they beat a Patriots team that I, I don't think is ultimately a playoff team, but is a team that is going to give other teams fits because yes. of their defense and because of their, their game planning and whatnot. Yes. Uh, they beat – a Vikings team that probably isn't a playoff team either, frankly. Um, but you have to understand the circumstances and, and sort of the time and place with some of the injuries that they had and, and the things that they were dealing with. So nonetheless, you've won two, two this year. And believe me, if, if you went and talked to uh, the L.A. Chargers or the Denver Broncos or some of these other teams that are off to these 0-2 starts, they trade places with you in a heartbeat. So let's start with the positives. Uh, Jalen Carter looks – to have all the the earmarks of a guy who probably should have been a top three pick, uh, who they ended up getting at nine, who looks pro-ready, who appears to not only understand the game, comprehend the game, but have an array of moves uh, where he's ready to contribute right now. And so far, man, he, he looks like the real deal. He's got he's He's in the top four in pressures in the NFL through two weeks, and he just looks awesome. So that that's a that's a huge sign. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about him has so far been true. Uh, such a, an explosive guy off the snap shoots the gaps before offensive linemen can set their feet to slow him down. And with his quickness, his straight ahead speed and his strength, it has been a problem in two games for the opposition. Uh, no question about it. Him pushing back the pocket in the middle of that field forces a quarterback off his landing spot where he wants to set his feet in a rhythm passing offense. And that's what you need. You need a guy who can consistently be a disruptive factor in the middle um, of a defense. And that's exactly what he's doing. Um, And you look at the volume of snaps he's playing right now for a young guy. Hey, if you're a top 10 pick and you're a young guy and you're being counted on the play, you can play a little bit extra. Now, when you get up there 28, 29 years old, you might play a little bit less based on the wear and tear of your body. But right now with his youth and athleticism, um, he's getting after people, man. And I guarantee you, OCs are already looking at this dude trying to find ways to slow him down. Yep. And then how about his partner? You know, I know he's in his second year, not in his first year, but Jordan Davis being a guy who's disruptive, you know, in, in the backfield and, and already having a, a sack and a half is nothing short of awesome. I mean, because we went, we came in with a lot of question marks for him and for him to be playing the way that he's playing so far. And it looks like, it looks like he was right. He said, I'm going to maintain at 340, but I'm in way better condition. I can be playing at the end of games. Um, you know, this, this is why, why they were so attracted to him too, Derek, with that, insane combine that he had for that giant frame you know it's funny how the game has changed rob you know uh, we 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 grew up watching these big edge rushers big stout you know uh, mobile object edge edge rushers and you know and and the deep tackles in many cases the edge rushers were bigger now we see that the edge rushers have gotten leaner taller swifter and the guys in the middle are now the warthogs in the middle their job is a thankless job in terms of clogging the middle so, you know, you can play games in, in other areas. But, you know, for a guy as big as him, 
his agility is off the charts, you know. Yeah. And we wonder, you know, when he when he when he came out and told the media that, well, you know, um, I'm still around 340. You think, wait a minute, how are you going to function better than you did last year at 340? So far in two games, he's answered that. Um, his quickness is there. His power is there. You know, I've seen I've seen in the two games offensive linemen try to double him and can't move him. You know, he stands them straight up. You know, and that's what you want to do. You don't see a lot of this in the stats. But he's standing people up, and he's also, you know, pushing the pocket back. And he's a bigger body. Once he gets his arms up, it 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 takes away throwing lanes for quarterbacks, especially shorter quarterbacks like a Baker Mayfield, a Mac Jones, so on and so forth. So the youth movement in a deep tackle position right now is in good hands with this Eagles team. They've got to continue that as the the the, the second level, the linebackers and the secondary continue to evolve. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the, the biggest, most quarterbacks will tell you the toughest pass rush is the one that comes right up the middle in their face. That's the most difficult for them. And if you have Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams playing at the level, they're playing really all four in that group are playing great. Trust me, Reddick's going to start getting his sacks. Sweat's going to continue to get his sacks. Brandon Graham's going to get his sacks. Uh, Derek Barnett will get sacks. If that's the case, if they are that effective uh, there, uh, Young Truth jumps in. We appreciate you, Young Truth. Need to bring back Cravon LeBlanc, a.k.a. Strap, or Bryce Callahan to, start, to take the slot. Both of them familiar with the side defense, uh, which y'all big dogs take. All right. Well, I, look, I, I I think there's going to be some moves made. I do. I it, Look, bar, barring somebody going out there and looking great on Monday night and or the next week, I think something's coming. I think a move's coming whether it's, excuse me, just grabbing a guy who's available that isn't going to cost you any kind of compensation or tapping into a team that's got somebody who's established, either one. Um, I agree with you 100%, but my goodness, Rob, the the pickings are slim, you know, in terms of you bring in. And sometimes you you have to caution yourself. You don't just bring in somebody to bring in somebody that can take up valuable practice time, playing time for somebody else, especially in the growth process. But but then again, you know, if the Eagles identify the youth movement, especially at certain spots, uh, are not accelerating as quickly as they, they would hope, you have to do something to kind of plug the gap in whatever the deficiency is, uh, whether it's a, a, at the linebacking spot, safety, backup cornerback spot, whatever the case may be, they're going to have to do something, you know. Um, but again, those who guys, whoever they bring in, are going to take snaps away from the guys who are trying to learn at an accelerated rate to get more snaps. Yep. It's 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 a very difficult balance um, in terms of, of deciding what you bring in. See, now when they brought in Indomitian Sue and Linville Joseph, those guys hit the ground running. They were proven vets. They're playing a D tackle position. Their responsibilities don't, doesn't change much. I need you to eat up space and push the pocket back. Plain and simple. When you start talking about linebackers, safeties, and cornerbacks, their responsibilities are vastly different. There's more involved for those guys. Um, So that's why, you know, you're trying to get younger and better at the same time, but also you're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. And if teams keep attacking the same area in your defense with a good measure of success, you've got to do something to try to slow that down. Well said. Well said. All right, let's continue on the positive theme here. Um, I think Josh Sweats looked really good. He had the strip sack last week. He, yes. he he appears to be 
you know, where he was last year. Um, I, I feel great about where, where he's at right now. He looks good. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, though, that he's playing almost 72% of the snaps. Um, and you look at the drop-off. Brandon Graham's only playing 27. He's playing 72. I thought there would be more of a balance. Derek Barnett is playing 22% of the snaps. Um, I thought there would be a little bit more balance in that regard. Now, when I look at Hassan Reddick, with that thumb, Hassan Reddick is out there 70, 70% of the snaps. Right. You know, I thought they would be a little high for him. I thought even though they were playing Minnesota and New England, that they would give him a little bit more of a rest so he's not doing unde- unnecessary damage to that, that thumb as it continues to heal. But it's, it's quite obvious that in, in Sean Desai's defense, he wants Josh Sweat and, and Hassan Reddick out there as much as possible. And Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett are your, breathing, your breathe, breathing relievers, so to speak. Because I, I thought it would be more like a 60-40 split, maybe 55-45. Those numbers are glaring in terms of how much uh, Desai is, is putting on both of his primary edge rushers. Yeah, it, it is. It does seem like a lot. You're right uh, in, in those terms. Um, let's jump over to a couple other positives. You know, Devontae Smith's off to a really good start. I don't think any of us are surprised. But, you know, he, he continues. His, his ability to make plays in traffic, Derek, uh, whether that's going up there, two guys like that. The first catch the, that he made on uh, Thursday night, Jalen underthrew him. He has to kind of come back, jump up, yeah. And, and outmaneuver those guys and still make the play, which you don't see a lot of skinny sort of smaller guys make. Yeah. That's usually yeah. a, you know, a, a DK Metcalf, AJ Brown kind of play, but he's gotten very good at that with the, with the body control and the ability to kind of box guys out. He's looked awesome so far. I call him the rubber band man. I know, <laughs> I know people refer to him as skinny Batman. To me, he's the rubber band man. You know, he can contort his body and make these acrobatic catches you know, when you look at him running at full speed, he doesn't break stride. It's like one fluid motion when he runs. You know, you look at the deep ball he caught for the touchdown. DB didn't come close to catching up to him. And it's not like he had to, you know, fully exert himself. He just kept striding. He makes the acrobatic catches along the sideline. He makes the tough catches. But more importantly, for a guy of his sleight of build, he takes some hellacious shots and he looks you in the eye and says, that's your best shot psychologically he's won that battle against whoever puts the shot on him, a DB or a safety. And as a DB or safety, if I hit, if I hit the likes of DK Metcalf, AJ Brown with my best shot and they get up, okay, they're bigger than I am. I get it. These dudes are built. But when a little skinny guy like that, you hit him and knock him flat. Number one, he's holding on to the ball. And number two, he just gets up at you, look at you like, that's it. (laughs) That's a psychological win for the receiver uh, in this case. Yeah. But you know, he's earned the right. To, to, to be uh, uh, emerging in his offense. He steadily improved his first two years. Look at the numbers he put up in his rookie year when he was still feeling his way around the league and learning how to play at a pro level. Yep. Just under 1,000 yards to finally surpassing that 1,000-yard mark last year. He had, what, seven more catches than uh, A.J. Brown did last year, eight, uh, 95 to 88, mm-hmm. and had over 1,100 yards receiving. So he's already shown that, you know, throw me the ball nine times out of ten, I'll get it. Absolutely. So he, he's looked good. And, you know, what else can you say about DeAndre Swift? I mean, you know, the, the guy ends up being the, the NFC offensive player of the week. Yeah. He goes crazy. They lean on him. And Nick Sirianni said, hey, look, there's no reason we won't continue to lean on him. I, I think you got to be a little bit more uh, judicious in, in the amount of touches that he gets. But I, I understand the circumstance. I mean, you're talking about Kenny Gainwell was already out of the game. 
uh, Boston Scott got hurt and it was working, you know, for all those reasons, he got as many handoffs as he's got. So I, you know, no complaint as far as it it goes, but if everybody's healthy, I take a little less in terms of like the between the tackle kind of stuff where you really get hit a lot, but man, he showed you, we already know he can do things in space. Now we know also he can be effective off tackle also. Um, you, you're talking about Swift? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with Nick, you know, after that performance against Minnesota, okay, we can lean on you. You cannot lean on this man, 28 carries a game. You know, he's not Nick Chubb. He's not Derek Henry. You know, he's a home run hitter. Now, if you, I, I see you leaning on him to protect the lead going into halftime, lean on him in the fourth quarter to protect the lead and close out a game. But trying to lean on him from start to finish is not a good game plan for him. Um, his his body build is just that. that you got to be concerned about that. You, uh, you can't see from the running back position, while I think they're in good hands with Boston Scott and Gainwell, he gives them another element, another accelerating element yep. that those two don't have. And especially because of his accomplishments as a pass catcher out of the backfield, you need that also. Um, if you overuse this dude, you're going to wear him down sooner rather than later. You know, I think you need to get Boston Scott a few more touches. And whether it's Gainwell or Penny, you need to get him a few more touches between the tackles to soften up a defense a little bit more so that when you go to a, a DeAndre Swift and he breaks outside of containment, you know, you be, you're basically leaving defensive personnel gasping with their hands on their knees trying to bring this dude down because he's also shown you that you're not just going to arm tackle him either. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that is demoralizing for a defense. No question. And, and look, this one's related to that. The the O line in terms of run blocking has been awesome. Uh, they've been absolute. I mean, they were. It was incredible the the holes that were opening. You know, opened up with the center with the guards. You know that, that Swift hit. They got to get their act together from a pass blocking, which we'll yes. talk about in a second. But also on that same theme, the the run defense has been the best in football through two games. Yes. I, I don't know that they. Like New England should run it better than they run. They've run it so far, but they're not running it well. And and the Vikings just made a trade to get Cam Akers because their their running game is so porous. But nonetheless, Eagles didn't give them any kind of sniff. They turned them both into one dimensional teams. I think I think part of it too is teams had to abandon the run game, even as stout as the Eagles were against the run because they were playing catch up. Yeah, especially by the time you get to the second half. You know, when this team's got a double-digit lead, when your opponent has a double-digit lead on you, what do you do? The quickest way to gain real estate and try to get the ball to the end zone is put it up in the air. Because if you're going to continue with that ground-and-pound game and it's no, going nowhere, you're eating up the clock, you're three and outs, the clock is still running, and it reduces your chances of trying to get back into the game. So you have to take to the air. What did we see? Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, they started going through the air, finding a measure of success. All of a sudden, the gap is closed in a game that should have been put away. You you have to be able to take away a team's heart. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to instill in a team that no matter what you're trying to do, that you're not going to have success today or tonight. Yep, absolutely. The Eagles have done that with the run game. Still a huge question mark with the pass game. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right. So they're, they're, po- and I'll throw Jake Elliott in there. What the heck? Uh, there's a, the, for the positives for sure. Cause there's, there's a good amount of them. Uh, the negatives, we look, we've talked about Hurts. What do you make of the offensive line in the pass blocking game? What, what do you make of what's going on there? I think um, in a lot of cases, his offense is defense is overloading. 
guys shooting the gaps. Um, you know, I know I've seen sporadic comics saying that the defense, that the offensive line is getting old. Well, three fifths of that offensive line is still relatively young. Your left tackle, left guard, and your right guard are young. You know, your 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 center and your right tackle, yes, they're in their thirties, they're Pro Bowlers, but they're smart. You get to this stage of your careers, you know what you may lose in, in quickness and, and speed, you can make up for in terms of technique, in terms of knowing little little things to help you cheat to win without getting caught. And maybe that's where you know Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are at their positions, but they are still two of the best at what they do. Right. You know, so I just think it's a matter of them getting on the same page in terms of line, line calls, you know, uh, feet set, setting, setting, uh, setting your feet a certain way. Um, it has been interesting that the, that the pass blocking has been um, as inconsistent as it has, but how much of that also has been on the quarterback holding the ball when you're in a rhythm offense, and the quarterback's not getting the ball out, you know, the offensive line, I don't care who you are, I don't care how dominant you are, offensive line can only hold up for so long, especially when you have a quarterback. When you're blocking and you can't see behind you, you don't know where he is a lot of times, especially the way Jalen Hurst scrambled, stepped up, and ran last year. You know, you can put a certain percentage on that with the offensive line, but in their heads, if they're saying 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, ball should be gone, all of a sudden you're finding out that your quarterback's still doing this with the ball. Right. Um, that's that's as much on the quarterback as, as it is the offensive line. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. All right. I, I'm not going to say they're playing bad. I'm just going to say it's been quiet. So uh, because A.J. Brown has as many catches as Devontae Smith does. But A.J. Brown, two games, 11 catches, 108 yards. It's 9.8 yards per catch, no touchdowns. Then you look at Goddard, two games, six catches, 22 yards. That's 3.7 yards per catch and no touchdowns. It, it's just been – Slow. It's been slow for both of these two guys to kind of get going here. And, and, and I, and look, everything ties into the other, right? The passing game hasn't been great. The offensive lines blocking maybe hasn't necessarily right. been great. Right. You know, and AJ, AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard are at the mercy of those other things, you know, those other entities doing their part. Well, you know, I'm a little surprised that uh, Goddard has not been more of a viable factor in the offense and hasn't had, more yards, and we were talking about this in the show meeting. What is he averaging? Like two yards a catch? Three point seven. Yeah. Okay. That that's going to change. I'm a little bit surprised. It's it it hasn't been more successful coming out of the gate. But again, this is part of okay. We're not spreading a defense as much as we should. So we know Goddard's input is going to have it, it's going to increase. Now he's going to have those games. He might have six catches for seventy five yards, and he may also have six catches for thirty five yards. Yep. It depends on down and distance and how defenses are defending them, who they have on him. You know, his season is going to be up and down like that all year long. But I do think because of his athleticism, he's as sure-handed as any tight end in the league. You have to get him more involved to keep a defense on his heels. Yeah, I agree. And he look, he's too good for this to continue. Uh, that much is for sure. Um, so other than that, um, I would say, again, I put this in the category of quiet – not bad. Um, no sacks yet for Hassan Reddick. Now, you know, again, you, you've had other guys get home. Sweat has gotten home. Um, Davis, a couple, well, a sack and a half worth. Uh, he's gotten home. But it's been pretty quiet, you know, all things considered for Hassan Reddick. Keep in mind, he started slowly last year, you know, yeah, and yeah. then and then he really, really came on. But right now, Derek, 
Uh, he's got one tackle. He has, geez, he he has no uh, he has no sacks, no tackles for losses. Uh, I, I'd have to pull up his numbers on hurries and whatnot, but that's kind of where he's at. I think it's I think it's because he's protecting that thumb. Yeah, I really do. Um, just the fact that his presence out there gives a quarterback something else to think about when you look at what he accomplished last year. But I, I do believe, and Mike Quick, you know, agreed with me the other day. Um, I believe the thumb it still has an effect on how he attacks, how he extends his arms to punch the shoulder pads of offensive tackles or or a tight end if a tight end is trying to block him. I don't think he's quite there yet, um, and especially when you start having, you know, extending your hand out there and trying to bring people down, you know, you could mess around and, and do some more damage, which, which can keep him out even more. So um, I think we'll see him pick it up. Uh, I, I found it interesting how both Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins, who's Kirk Cousins, who's not a big scrambler, were able to step up. If you look, if you look at the tape, Hassan Reddick is getting pressure from the outside, but the opposing quarterbacks have done a better job of stepping up and sliding away from where he is to buy extended time to throw the football. So I think once Hassan, Hassan has the ability to grab the pads and move tackles where he wants to, to shoot a gap or to dip around the edge a little bit more, um, I think we'll get back to the Hassan of, oh, I don't know if we'll get, see him get 16 sacks, right. you know, because, we, you know, what do we project, 12, 13 for the season? Yeah, we, we just, both had him a little bit down. Uh, yeah. and some of that was just sharing the wealth with others and whatnot. But, yeah, we had him down a little bit from last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you know, twelve or thirteen sacks is still a great year for any any pass rusher, um, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time, you know. And you know, we know he had surgery on the thumb, and, and but we never really know because the Eagles don't tell you exactly where he fractured or broke it. You know, depending depends on where that placement is. You know, in a pin in his thumb uh, helps determine in terms of how quickly it will heal and, and how much it negates him from being who we expect him to be. Yeah, I think too. It's is he protecting it a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But is he also just hampered by it? You, you know, I mean, is it as simple as he's not able to do some of the things in terms of grabbing or or just jockeying, you know, for position? I think there's a lot of things that come into play with that, Derek. You know, I mean, I, I think he's. I think we just assume because a guy's out there, oh, he's out on the field, he's fine. No, it, not necessarily. I mean, it, it, right. that's. For, for any position really. And, but especially that position when you are trying to make to throw guys off of you and you got your one hand casted and you just can't do what you're accustomed to doing it. It can exactly. affect your play. That's huge leverage. You know, le- rush leverage is huge in terms of being successful. And right now he's basically playing one handed, you know, in a lot of ways and a smart offensive tackle notice, uh, identifies that and takes advantage of it pushing him having the ability to push him where they want him to go you know and i think that that's the case right now hassan reddick cannot combat on equal playing ground right now with off, with with bigger offensive tackles and i don't care how much you deaden that thing for a game it still doesn't feel right you know and for 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 a guy who needs his hands to control where he wants to go and to get leverage when he's rushing full speed, you know, that that's uncomfortable, number one, and, and something you're thinking about. Yeah. Because if, even if he did damage to it, you wouldn't be able to feel it until that that, that, that medication wore off. Yeah, good you know, point. In a lot of ways, so. Yeah, sure, it's not feeling great after that wears off either. Uh, oh. uh, woof. All right, and the other thing is injuries, and you just can't control that. I mean, it, it is what it is, and you hope that they're not as severe as some other teams have, have – 
you know, are dealing with presently. That's for sure. Um, all right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. We will talk to Eastern University head football coach Billy Crocker about his team's latest game this past week. Look ahead to this Saturday as well. We'll dig into a lot of stuff with the coach when we come back. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about ProAction Restoration. If you have a home, you have a business, you have a property, and you go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, or mold damage, you know how trying that can be. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through it. I reached out to them on a Saturday. They got right out. They fixed the problem. They First, they diagnosed what the issue was. They fixed it. Uh, they cleaned everything up. The price was right. The crew was professional, clean, you name it, across the board. Uh, ProAction Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagle. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jack, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. And as he does each and every Thursday, we are joined by the head football coach at Eastern University, Mr. Billy Crocker. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well yourself. Uh, doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, so let's dig in a little bit to this past week. Uh, you knew going in, you, you were taking on you know, a team that's that's been at the top of your conference uh, in, in Del Val, and they're they're a real challenge. And uh, you guys hung, but this this was a tough one. So so walk us through this because I I could tell talking to you last week, you knew you, you know this this could be a little bit of a little wake up call maybe for some of the guys. Absolutely, no, I mean, yeah, they're they're right now and have been the class of our conference for the last. Uh, they haven't lost a conference game in seven years, <laughs> which is um, pretty amazing. Um, you know, so, you know, we knew we were going to be, you know, have our hands full uh, physically, especially, um, you know, I'll tell you what, we came out and, and started off really well. And, you know, the game should have gone to halftime at 12 to six, I think. Um, and, and we kind of gave up a cheap one uh, right before the end of the first half there, um, you know, to make it 19. Um, and then we kind of battled the third quarter back and forth quite a bit. And um, we actually had a chance to go in, we had the ball in the red zone, had a third down, and we, we hit an open receiver and uh, had a chance to go first and goal, and, and we dropped it. Um, and, uh, you know, so at that point, that's sort of at the start of the fourth quarter and we, we could have made it a one-score game. And from there, we just kind of felt the wind come out of the sails a little bit at that point. Um, you know, then they put one in on the next possession. And, you know, from there, it was kind of like, all right, you know. But I'll tell you what, the kids physically – physically battled um you know we're not scared we're not intimidated um you know it just became a little bit of a mismatch up front you know with our offensive line and and, and their defensive line which was you know you know men versus boys a little bit towards right. uh, towards the end there um you know but I, I was super proud of of the way they competed and played and I think it showed them like hey we can you know, for, for most of that game, we went toe-to-toe for what, you know, I think is the best team in the conference. Hey, hey Coach, um, when you play a physical team like Dell Valley, you, you're know you trying to establish some type of balance just to throw them off a little bit. And I saw mm-hmm. where you guys only passed for 48 yards. <laughs> Why was the passing game not as effective as it was? Um, you know, number one, I think, again, we, we struggled a little bit to protect, um, right. you know, at times. And, they, I think they went into it and said, you know, the way they're going to be able to have success offensively and beat us is to let their receivers get behind us. Um, so they kind of, you know, kind of played off a little bit. And that that's where our strength is, is to get the ball down the field. Um, you know, and then we just didn't have time a little bit for those guys to get downfield and get open um, the way we needed them to. And, 
Um, you know, they, they hit the quarterback, you know, a pretty good number of times at that point, you know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. you know, there were cases in that game where we were trying to keep it close and you know, we had to give our defense a little bit of a rest, you know, so we were, mm-hmm. you know, trying to work a little bit of clock and trying to run the football a little bit, you know, just to get those guys over to the bench at times and get them to have a little bit of a break. Um, you know, cause as you guys know, you know, defense gets a stop. Half of those guys are on special teams and you got to get them over. And then all of a sudden two plays later, it's, you know, we got to get, you know, punching the box. So, um, so we were just trying to get those guys a little bit of a rest at as well with that philosophy. Mm. You mentioned, you know, their size Yeah, and, and you got, obviously you, you're, you're starting from scratch here. Is that where you really see it? Like, is it depth? Is it size? Is it both? I mean, what, and certainly you guys are making unbelievable strides, but yeah. is that where you really feel it when yes. you go up against yeah. these kind of without teams? a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. I think anything, anytime you have young guys up front on either side of the ball, that's just, you know, cause there's a big difference between an 18 year old and a, and a 22 year old, 23 year old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, right. I, I look at some of these dev charts and it's, some of them say grad student, grad student, grad student. <laughs> I'm like, man, um, you know, some of my guys haven't turned 18 yet. Um, you know, so that that is a huge deal. Then obviously you said the depth, you know, we're going to get to a point here. We're starting a little bit. We're getting some guys nicked up here and there. And it's now it's like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's who who's up next uh, to an extent. You know what I mean? So um, but I think the big thing is just these guys, they have confidence. They feel it. They're like, all right, we can we can compete here. We can do it. You know what I mean? And I think they felt that on Saturday, you know, a couple things here or there you know, in that third quarter, end of the second quarter, and then that thing is a complete ball game all the way till the finish. So, Coach, you have three games under your belt now. What do you like most about your team? Um, you know, I think, again, sort of I think we discussed is they they kind of they kind of put things to bed, you know, pretty early, I think. And, you know, I think they're, you know, they're, they're inexperienced slash they just, you know, they don't, they don't care, you know what I mean, at times they don't know. Um you know, they're just like, hey, whoever it is, it is. And we're just going to go out and play and, and do our thing. And um, for the first time, too, defensively, I thought we tackled pretty poorly. Um, and and that was the first time all year. And, um, you know, so I think if we tackle a little bit better, it would have been better as well. But the other thing I'm starting to see with some of these guys is a little more accountability, a little more ownership of them correcting themselves, them correcting each other in a good way. Whereas we, we don't have to do it every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That's huge. I mean, that, that they're listening, right. Yeah. Or they're, they're, they're grasping everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, what has surprised you most? You know, I mean, you, you've been around this for a while, yeah. but what has it, good, bad, and different. What's the thing that you said? I think two, two things. I think from a, a, a negative standpoint, not negative, but just something we're continuing to get better at is just how much, how much of a different game it is from, from high school to college in terms of what goes into it, you know, not necessarily just going out on the field, but what goes into it ahead of time throughout the week of practice, um, you know, they're still getting used to. Okay. Um, and then I think positive wise, what, what we've been able to do with them schematically and that they've been able to handle has been, has been really impressive to me, both, both offensive defensively and special teams. You know, we're we're doing things I've done, you know, at at you know my other stop, other stops, and they're they're grasping it, they're getting it, and they're starting to execute it. I wanted to ask you this um, last week, but I was away, and um, you know, you you're a nurturer, you're a teacher, you're a mentor, but also you're a competitor. Mm-hmm. 
And how how much have you had to try to rein in? I don't want to use the word frustration because you know it's an evolving program. It's not. It's going to take more than just X amount of games in one season. This mm-hmm. is laying the foundation work for what's to come. But mm-hmm. when those competitive juices kick in, see if you're like me, I don't care if I'm playing Teddy Wings. I don't yeah. like losing. You know yeah. what I mean? But how much have you had to rein in some of those emotions to be that positive factor for these young? Yeah. No, that's a great question. It's it's something I you know wrestle with constantly and and I think you wrestle with that almost no matter where you are you know um whether you're you know coaching at you know in in the NFL or or division one or wherever you're coaching is you know because you always you never want to lose your team you know what I mean no matter what you know adversity you face or what 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 bumps in the road you may come across you know I think it's you know you see the competitive juices coming out you know on Friday I mean on Saturday like you're like it's we're going to win that game. And then when you get back into it, it's like, hey, listen, yeah, we want to win. We want to do this. But these are the things that we're really good out of that game that we need. If we can do these things, eliminate those couple things, we are going to be fine. And and those wins are going to come. I, I guarantee you that. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's that fine line of, hey, listen, our and I always finish is like, hey, listen, being close isn't good enough. You know what I mean? We, yeah, we want to yeah. win. That's that's the bottom line. That's why we're all here. OK, I, I said to him the other day, too, in the meeting, I said, you know, did you guys think this was going to happen overnight? You know what I mean? Like they, they, they were upset on Sunday and they were upset losing to the best team in the conference, which I'm like, you know, there's other places I've been where you, you play the best team in the league and you're like, oh, that was awesome. You know, we were we were within two scores. That's great. You know, these kids, they, they knew they they feel they can win. Um, and, and compete with whatever is thrown at them. And so I think you always keep that, those juices flowing, but then you do bring them back to reality a little bit and say, listen, here's why we didn't. Um, we're close. This is what we need to do to get over that hump. How different slash maybe easier is it on the recruiting trail now that something's established as opposed to sort of selling them just like a vision or what you think it may be? I mean, you actually – you know, you're playing games now. You yeah. got a team now. Yeah. Is it, it, you find it easier? Is it harder? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's going to be much, it's much easier. Again, the, the timeline of recruiting is, is different here than other places I've been. Just you're kind of, you're talking to kids now, you're getting to come visit the games, which is awesome. You know what I mean? They kind of yeah. see that environment down there. Um, but you're still sort of waiting until, <laughs> uh, you know, again, a lot it, of it guys, can be real late as opposed to yeah, kids who commit really. Correct. Correct. sophomore it's junior year somewhere some yeah. of the kids you talk to you're you know I, I know they have pipe dreams of, of wanting to you know get that scholarship be a division one player be a division yep. two player even um you know before they get to us you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so um so that timeline's a little bit but I think you're 100 right now we have things we can show them I mean we'll have a highlight film video we can show <laughs> you know it's yeah. you know and they're actually doing construction outside right now we're going to have a a stadium here in a couple months we can show them, you know, when they come come visit us, you know what I mean? So um, a few months too late, but I mean, it'll be here. So um, (laughs) what year will that be for next year? That'll be for next season. Yeah. This will be be done in March. Um, Okay. Wow. It'll be done in March, um, you know, with a brand new seating and press box, a brand new scoreboard. So it's a a great little setup up here. So, so, so coach, you have uh, Lebanon Valley coming up now. How much do you know about them? You know, we actually went up there and they were our first JV game last year. Um, okay. We went up last year and played and um, yeah, that was our first first uh, quote unquote unofficial win. Uh, we went up there and, and, you know, and played them in a JV game, which was great experience for a lot of our guys. Um, 
you know, so we got a little familiarity with them. Some of our coaches know their coaches, um, you know, but they're, they're a solid, solid football team in all three phases, very well coached. Um, they're a team that doesn't beat themselves. Um, and that's again, a nature of looking at their depth chart and seeing juniors and seniors and grad students, um, you know, on there, um, you know, they beat a really good Stevenson team, uh, two weeks ago. Um, so that was a really good win for their program. So, um, so we know a decent amount about them, you know, obviously watching their, their first three games and, you know, but I just feel, I said, if we can go up and do our deal and not beat ourselves, um, which we, we've done a couple times, I think this year, then, then I think we have a decent shot. Let's uh, let's show folks the uh, schedule tone, if you could, just to let everybody know uh, what you guys have next, who you're playing, et cetera. So here, here, here we are, Coach. So Lebanon Valley, as Derek mentioned, that's a road game. Yep. Uh, and you'll be at Misericordia after that. Uh, but then you're back home at Franklin Field for Albright two weeks later. You get Fairleigh Dickinson at home. That's yep. crazy. And then it's done two weeks after that. That's wild. It's, but it's wild. Yeah. Do we yeah. know yet if the if the 14th and the 28th are day games, home so, games? Do we have so times four, on those? The 14th will be a 7 p.m. kick. That's homecoming. Okay. Um, so that'll be a great crowd, you know, like our first game was um, down there. And then um, the 28th will be a 1 p.m. kickoff. Okay, excellent. And and everybody can catch the games AM 990, The Answer. That's the Eastern U flagship station. And sister station is 560 WFIL. And, of course, across the uh, the Jacob platforms as well. So uh, you guys back at it again. Uh, you know, lessons learned, man. That, that's what it is. You know, that's yeah, what you take from losses. It it's just it let's is. correct these and move on. Yep. No, it was great. It's uh, – no, they're, they're getting – they're getting there. I actually had my old mentor up here um, on Thursday, a week ago from today. Coach Talley came up on Thursday and, nice. uh, mm. you know, visited with us in, at practice. And, you know, he was he was amazed. He was just like, wow, this is he's like, it's it's going to be good. And actually, the, the legendary, um, you know, old old Widener head coach, the old Delaware Valley coach, um, Coach Manlove, um, who's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He still helps Del Val. And he he came up to me right after the game. And I said, Coach, I don't know if you remember me. And he said, Coach, I remember you when you were with Andy. Um, he goes, let me, he goes, look, Coach, let me tell you something. He goes, you're close, and it's going to happen fast. You know, I said, well, yeah. right, Coach, I appreciate that. That's a great thing to hear. Hey, hey, Coach, you mentioned a couple of times in our conversation that, you know, when you look at the opponent's roster, they're inundated with 21, 22-year-old yeah. grad students. What percentage of your team is freshmen? You may have mentioned that earlier. Uh, we are 75 percent, 80 percent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the rest all finished. Wow. Yeah. What, I, I just got a curious just on that subject. I see guys in like their seventh, eighth year now at the division one level. Yeah. Like how? How? How it's, is this happening? It's, it's funny you say that. I was talking to, you know, Mark Ferrani down the road at Villanova. Um, they're playing Rhode Island this weekend. Their quarterback, I believe, is a seventh year senior. Excuse <laughs> um, good player. I mean, I remember coaching against them. I haven't been there in five years, you know what I mean? Six years. So, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, you know, um, I'd recommend anyone who continue to do it, continue to do it. Don't be in a rush to, to join the real world. If you don't yeah. Have that's that a good way, point. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You're yeah, playing that long. You should be a doctor at this point, but <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, Hey, do you have the time to, to check the Eagles out at all? Or are you just so, I mean, the Philadelphia you know what? I do, I do. Yeah. What do, you think? Um, I do quite a bit. And it's funny. My, my wife is down. She does every home game. She works for um, a company that um, she actually runs the partnership between First Trust National Bank and the Eagles. So she's down gotcha. there all the time. Um, so we're always watching when we're home and following it big time. Oh yeah. What do you, so what do you think about their start so far? I think it's it's a, I think it's a huge. I mean, here's the deal. 
they're two and zero. I don't think you can ever complain about that. I know people do. I know they want it better. They want it cleaner. Um, you take two and zero every day of the week, and the good thing is, I think you saw they probably haven't played their best. Yep. Um, and you're two and zero, so. I would take that and run with it every day of the week. Um, I got you. you know what I mean? Coach, I'm hey, coach, this is Philadelphia. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect in here? <laughs> yes, no, I, that's what keeps it interesting. You know what I mean? So, um, does keep no. it interesting. Yeah. Yes. That's, no, that's but a I would good take way to that every it. day of the week. All right, coach. Well, listen, good luck this week. Uh, you, hopefully, coach. next week when we're chatting with you, we're, we're coming off a win here. We're that's what we're hoping. We've got to deal with the rain on Saturday. So. Oh, yeah. that's it, it could be a little nasty. Yeah. No, but, uh, nasty. I think that favors you guys against Lebanon yeah, Valley. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I just said that anyway. <laughs> yes. Coach, we appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah, I appreciate you guys. Crocker doing a great job there at Easy. Derek, how about that? What, what did he say? 75, 80% freshman? You know, when you're playing a bunch of 22-year-olds and you got 17-year-old kids, that's a big discrepancy, man. man. That's pretty seriously. You got kids 17, 18 years old just happy to be in college, happy to put on a football uniform, and you got grizzled veterans on the other side playing against you, man. That's like David versus Goliath in a lot of ways, you know? Jeez. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that is tough. That, that does put it in perspective, man. Just just very, very young, that's for sure. And he said I, the rest are sophomores, so you still got a bunch of Right, kids. yeah, they're the grizzled veterans. They're, yeah. they're 19 years old, those yeah. guys. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, all right, let's let's mix in some Phillies here because we touched on it, and it was a good win yesterday, and, and they won the series uh, over the Braves. Uh, they took two out of three. They had a good road trip. All in all, they went four and two on the road in St. Louis and Atlanta. They come back starting tonight, Derek. They get four games against the Mets, yep. three games against the Pirates, three games at the Mets. That's all. That's it. They're done a week from Sunday. It's crazy. Yeah. Regular yeah. season's it over. Man. Oh, my goodness. You believe the final week in September is, is a little more than a week away? I know. I know, man. October, it, it really October is. October 1st is a week from this Sunday, Rob. It's amazing. It's amazing how fast it goes. It really is. And that's when D-Gun's seasonal depression really kicks in. That's when you go into hibernation. Yeah, we don't don't see you. September, I I hold on and embrace those few (laughs) warm rays that trickle through. By October, when you go outside and leaves are all over the yard, and you got to either blow them or, or rake them. Uh, that's when it. That's when the D gun depression starts to kick in. Well, so my move is the first thing I do is, for for at least a couple times, I uh, I I mow the the leaves to mulch mulch them in yeah. to the grass. Yeah. Yep. It's also my way of being lazy and not wanting to to blow the leaves or, or to rake them. So I do that for a while, and then eventually I have to give in, and and I have to. I would rather cut ten lawns than than rake. Rake up yes. leaves. Now, funny thing is, when you're a kid, it was fun to rake uh, leaves into a big pile because you dive in them and you mess oh, them up. Yeah. You get up and rake them again. But now it's like you just want it over with. Do you have a lot of trees in your front and backyard? No, well, so we got the one in the front yard removed. So the the front is not the problem. I get Derek is I get yeah. it from the neighbors' trees a lot. The wind oh, blows. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and and in my back, the neighbors' tree. Hangs into our yard, and I get yeah. So it's not look, it's not terrible, uh, but it's it, it's annoying enough. Let's face it, it's annoying. And here's the problem I have too. <laughs> this is going to be gross. If you have if you let too many leaves fall, I can't tell. I know where what you're going Where the dog has done hit her business? Yes. Okay, that's a problem. All of a sudden, you smear it across the yard. <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, you get a nice little surprise. Yeah, great. So anyway, that's part of the fun. I, I, and I, can't, I don't rake leaves. I just continue to let the leaves rot and mulch right into the ground. 
I ain't oh, raping. Do you? Yes. Oh, you don't do anything with them. Huh? You don't do anything with your leaves. I don't get many because, okay. you know, we don't, I don't have any trees on either side of me. I don't have, I have uh, the big tree. The big, we had a 30 foot pine tree when we first moved into this house in 2004. And, and within a four or five years, you know, the windstorms that come here, the aftermaths of the hurricanes that come up from Miami. I went outside one morning. I was going outside, going to get ready to go to work at NBC. And my wife goes, did you see your tree? I said, what? <laughs> I go outside. My tree is laying across my yard and my neighbor's yard. Oh my God. Wind blew it over. And we never replaced the tree. You know, we put flowers and stuff in there and rose bushes, but never replaced the tree. So I don't have to worry about raking leaves at all. I have this one tree that sits right off my driveway. It's a big I don't even know what you call it. It's like a purple maple type tree and the leaves fall, but the wind blows a lot of them away. I ain't raking nothing, dude. Now, and what's there, either me or the landscaper, just cut them right into it and leave it in, and leave it in the ground. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. All right. Uh, so and you, you put your, your hand down there and pull up a handful of, oh, uh, no. <laughs> nothing worse. There's nothing worse. <laughs> Um, all right. So they, the, the Phils win, as I mentioned, Castellanos two home runs and the defensive play of the game. He's up to 99 RBIs. He's got 99. Schwarber's got 99. I was looking at their RBI totals. Yes. And I'll tell you, they have a lot of guys who have, who have done a really nice job being run producers this yes. year. So yes. Trey Turner's at 75, despite his bad start. Absolutely. Castellanos 99, Schwarber 99, 92 for Bohm. Uh, 61 for Stott, who's, you know, hit down in the order a lot. Real Muto's a disappointing 57, but Harper 66, having missed all the games that he missed. So, you know, the, I'm not worried about this team scoring runs in the playoffs, Derek. I'm, yeah. I'm worried about the pitching. Yes. Plain and simple. I agree. They're going to have to out-hit all their opponents. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, outside of Wheeler, and who's he's only going to pitch maybe, maybe two games if you're lucky, depending yeah. on the extension of a series. Yep. But for the most part, you can only count on him one game. Outside of that route, I'm extremely worried about this pitching staff in a lot of areas. And that includes the guys I thought on the back end would be shut down like Soto, Campbell, Alvar- Alvarado. You know, those guys make you you hold your breath and cross your fingers when they step to the hill. Alvarado's biggest problem is his control. Yeah. He can't find a plate. Yeah, it's not – you know, velocity or some of the other, no, yeah. that's all there, but you're right. It's, it's 100% control. I mean, he, he gets himself in these jams and, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's, it's like what Mitch Williams used to do. And somehow Mitch would wiggle out of this stuff, but Alvarado hasn't been able to wiggle out. I, look, I go back to what I said. I think the starting rotation is going to be Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, and it should be Sanchez. Oh, Man, no, I know. In there. no uh... the, the problem is, is even greater in the bullpen because there isn't anybody who you feel good, you know, no. closing high leverage, any of that. The only thing I could say is you have nine or was it 10 games left? I think it's four, it's 10 games left. You have 10 games left. Hopefully you can get the bullpen guys enough work where they can at least feel good about themselves going into the postseason. That's it. I agree. Um, when you look at these last 10 games, they should lock down their top wildcard seat in the next few games. But here's the thing for as bad as the Mets are, the Mets can hit, they can flat out hit. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't want to get in a lot of high scoring games with the Mets because the Mets, like the Marlins, are another team that give this team problems, even when even when they're going bad and they got to play what seven of their last 10 against the Mets. That's right, four this series and three in the last series there to close it out. I don't want I don't want this going down to the last two or three games. 
like it did last year to where it went down to the last two games before they even solidified a playoff spot, you know? Oh. Wrap, wrap this thing up, you know? Yeah. Wrap this here, – here's what I want to see him do. Wrap this number one wild card seed up and rest a few guys. Yep. A few guys you're going to count on. Rest – Rest Nola. Let him sit and watch for a little bit. Um, forget about Wheeler's last start of the season. Rest him a little bit. Give him some extended rest. Kimbrell. So give these guys a little bit extra rest. Yeah. You know, and get them ready for what's to come. Because you don't want to be one and done in the playoffs. But because of the way this pitching staff has been, as good as they've been hitting, I got major concerns about them getting past the first opponent. I really do. I do too. Um, I am – frightened of this bullpen i'm i think the offense is more than capable of getting you a lead but maintaining and holding on to that lead is a whole different story and i think that's that's a major problem here for this team it really is there's no other way to put it um and to 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 think any other way uh, i think you're kidding yourself right now it doesn't mean they can't get it straightened out but it's Right now, it doesn't look good. There aren't a lot of options. Rob Thompson knows. It. I mean, let, yesterday he used Strom in the tenth inning instead yes. of Anthony Dominguez, which tells yes. you all you need to know about the lack of trust that he has in Dominguez. It's a problem. It's a and Strom deal. was shaky. He was. He was. So I'm like, geez. That's the thing. Like I hear people criticize him. I'm like, who are you using? Who would you like to pitch? You have nobody else, dude. Yeah. yeah this is it. I'm, yeah. That's why I'm surprised. You know, when they brought Lorenzo in, I said, okay. This is the stabilizing force, but since then, it's like he's got a case of Philly pitching itis. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever that disease is running through that clubhouse, he's definitely got a serious dose of it running through his veins, as they say. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, all right, so we'll see how they do with the uh, the Mets starting tonight. And the and the other thing about like locking it up, Derek, is you get a chance to set your rotation up for the playoffs too. Yes, that way. So yes. it's big. It's big if they take care of their business. All right, we'll come back. NFL, uh, we'll get a little bit more into the Bears situation. Uh, the Vikings make a move. Devontae Adams is none too happy with uh, somebody in the NFL. Uh, Chandler Jones latest. Reek uh, Woolen, he now goes by Reek. We'll give you an update on him. Joe Burrow update. A lot of other stuff that we're going to dive into. Doug Peterson on his team's offense. Uh, tons to get to when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. So if you have any type of issues with your trees, they're just a quick phone call away, and they service southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. Uh, keep in mind, we got the, you know, the time of year where it's good to get your trees evaluated before the heavy weather starts to come in. Uh, it's a great time to get it done now. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back. Appreciate you hanging out with us. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. You okay? What's the matter? So so during our break, uh, I'm catching up on something that caught my eye, and it pertains to Oregon and uh, Colorado's game this weekend. Okay. And I saw it running down um, social media about uh, back during media day. I was, I'm assuming it's July or August. Uh, Oregon coach uh, Dan Lanning was asked a very you know simple question, but a valid question about, hey, your thoughts on Colorado leaving the Pac-12? And he basically smiled and said, you know what? I, I don't have any reaction. He goes, I don't remember Colorado having an impact uh, on this conference. Do you remember it? I don't remember it. So obviously it's brought up again this week. Do you regret saying what you said? He goes, I don't regret anything. He said, I wasn't talking about Dion's team. I'm talking about Colorado history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, media going to blow this thing up, you know. Sure. sure. Uh, so, you know, I haven't heard a response from Dion yet. I haven't seen anything where Dion's responded to it. But, you know, it continues. Every week, it's like everybody's taking a shot at Colorado. I mean, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say the Oregon coach took a shot at him. You know, his answer, I, you know, I might have said the same thing. You know what? Well, the response that I wasn't talking about Dion's team is smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He said, I'm talking about the history of Colorado football in the Pac-12. But now you know the media is playing it against, you know, what is Dion going to say in response to this, you know, that right. kind, of, you know kind of thing. I hear you. I hear you. No, look, I, I'm, I, 
how can you not be excited to see what they do the next two weeks, you know, with, with Oregon and USC, with the level of competition jumping, you know, in a big, big way. But no, I mean, it's, look, it, it's a, it's another reason to tune in every Saturday, man. And they're, I think they're three 30 this week. They get the, one of the primetime slots. So it's going to be fun. It's gonna Colorado, be fun. Colorado doesn't need any motivation other than the fact that they've done what they've done through three games and they're considered 20 point underdogs. Yeah, that's it. Really, that's all you need. Exactly. And I'm sure that's what Dion's been feeding them all week. That's all you need. Now, <laughs> I feel a lot better if Travis Hunter was playing, but the bottom line is <laughs> they've got enough speed on both sides of the ball. But if Oregon identifies they can run – you know, we know Oregon likes to throw the football, but if they can identify they can run on this Colorado defense like other teams have already done, which has been a Colorado's biggest Achilles heel, not being able to defend the run better – Right. Uh, it's going to be a great shootout, like 40, 35, 38, 35, something like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense for sure. Um, all right. Let's let's dig into some NFL stuff, Gunnar. Uh, all right. So the Bears, as we mentioned yesterday, had their defensive coordinator resign for health purposes. They had Justin Fields intimate that the coaching hasn't been good enough and then walk it back. So their GM, uh, Ryan Poles, had an impromptu press conference Thursday to address all of this. Uh, he said, first and foremost, to hit it straight on, we have adversity right now. Slow start, 0-2, not where you want to be. We've dealt with life issues. We've dealt with injuries. And that's all real, and that's part of what we do. It's part of what we got to deal with. Uh, to make it really, really clear, I know the outside noise, but no one in this building is panicking, blah, blah, blah. And he went on to say he doesn't feel like Justin Fields is a finger pointer either. He is not. Uh, you know, blaming others. He doesn't feel like he's that guy. I, I, I got to tell you, like, there's the, the, the field's vibes are not good right now. Um, he's not playing well. We were waiting to see what he had in the passing attack. He looks hesitant. In his words, he looks robotic. Uh, and, and then he, he kind of, you know, hinted that it may have been the coaches. I know he walked it back. Here's what I think you're going to see from him this week. He's going to be taking off and running a ton. And I don't think that's a necessarily a good thing. But that's what I think we're going to see from him. Well, so far, I'm surprised he only has 13 rushing attempts in two games. Yeah. Um, but he has two touchdown passes only in three interceptions. And he's thrown 40 passes, and he's barely completed 61% of those passes. I think he's he's still scrambling, um, still scrambling in terms of trying to understand the game at this level. And maybe there has been inconsistency in trying to coach him up to get him further along than what he was. But the city of Chicago is irate right now. And the young quarterback made a mistake when he stepped to that podium and said, maybe it's coaching. That's all he had to say. So obviously somebody pulled him aside in a hurry and said, ho, ho, there's certain things you don't say. Then he tried to walk it back, as you said. That's part of the learning process also, learning what to say. That's why we I keep saying time and time again, you know, here's a young quarterback make made a mistake, and a lot of young quarterbacks make these mistakes, but not a Jalen Hurts. He's very, very calculated in what he says. Jalen Hurts is very calculated in terms of not putting himself in a position to where he has to walk back anything. This is part of the growing maturation process of a young quarterback in Chicago, and the city of Chicago is coming down on him. You know, Jalen Jalen turned the naysayers around real quick. Think about it. Last year was his second season as a starting quarterback. You had some question marks 
coming out of his rookie season, even though not his rookie season, but his first season as a starter, even though he got that team nine and eight, got them to a playoffs. It was a valuable learning tool. All of a sudden he just blew up across the national limelight his second season. That's not happening with Justin Fields. And Chicago, in a lot of ways, is like Philadelphia. It's a very knowledgeable sports market and a highly critical market as well. And they're they're raining down negativity on this young man right now. Let's see how he responds to it. Well, I think that's the other thing. Like, not only are you learning on the field, you're learning off the field. You're learning how to handle yourself. It's a a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. And it takes a long time. Um, You know, and, and, and you know, you, you, just the fact that Everflus has to take over now the defense because their defensive coordinator stepped aside. He he maybe he can't keep a close enough eye on what's happening offensively. It's just, it's not a good situation there uh, at all. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I'm not even going to get into it. But there's a lot of rumors floating around. What's true? What isn't true? Whatever. The bottom line is there is just a lot of distractions uh, with that team right now. And we'll see if they're going to be able to, you know, to deal with it uh, because it is part of what what goes along with it. As if losing isn't bad enough and your young quarterback stepping out of character for a moment and saying something that there's unwritten rules you don't put out there to the general media. And then a story comes out about the coach who stepped down initially that the FBI raided his home and all this stuff. And uh, we're on, it was on the facility, uh, the Bears uh, Hallis Hall practice facility. I have a good friend who I worked with here in Philadelphia and traveled with a lot for years at Eagles games. He works for the Bears. Um, and so he and I were texting back and forth last night and today. And, and then, of course, it came out from the uh, the coach's attorney, uh, his attorney who uh, is in Chicago as well, that it's not true that the FBI was raiding anything, whether it's the coach's home or at the practice facility. But you know how it is with social media, man. You hit the ground running and all of a sudden it takes off like wildfire. So that fire has been put out. It is a little concerning that um, the coach, two weeks into a season, decides to step down because the, of health issues. Uh, this is a coach that um, Ever Everflus uh, enjoy, endorsed, brought him in here in 2022, um, and of course the speculation: um, it, did he was he forced out because the Bears' defense looks terrible? Yeah. Right. You know, so it, speculation more so in that regard, more so than this FBI stuff. But you know, it, it's it's under that adage, Rob. When it, when it rains, it pours, and right now there's a monsoon uh, hovering over the Chicago Bears football organization. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Uh, so beyond that, Mika Fitzpatrick is defending himself um, for the hit that he laid on Nick Chubb. I, I, you know, I didn't view it as a cheap shot. I, I don't know about you. Um, these guys, they're not allowed to go high. So they go low. You know, he was basically saying, look, I, I play, I play hard. Uh, I'm chippy. I'm edgy, but I'm not a dirty player. Yeah. You know, and he, he you know, he loves competing against. He didn't want to see that happen to anybody. I, I don't know. I, I did you do you view that as a cheap shot? I, I didn't I didn't view it as a cheap shot. I mean, it was you know, but from a receiver, you know, receivers don't like to get hit. Yeah. And of course, in this case, uh, you know, Devontae had to go to the locker room and 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 be put in concussion protocol. I think that's his frustration more so than anything else. And the frustration, maybe he's not getting the ball as frequently as he wants to. You know, DBs are chippy. You know, let's face it. You know, they got to do any and everything they can possibly do to try to gain an advantage because the league has made the structure such that it favors the wide receivers. It favors the quarterbacks. It's like you can't touch anybody nowadays on the offensive side of the football. And the frustrations mount for a DB player, especially when you're playing against one of the best of the best. And you try to, you know, soften them up a little bit, you know, mentally, physically. 
uh, and maybe went maybe went a step too far. But I didn't think it was a dirty shot by any stretch. All right. Uh, Devontae Adams thinks that Taylor Rapp is dirty. Um, he hit him. He went helmet to helmet on him. And Adams was asked about it on Wednesday at, at the hit specifically. It said, was it necessary? Um, was it unnecessary? Completely, obviously. But certain players play a certain way too. Some people out of control. They fly around. Apparently, th- th- this guy, Rap has a reputation throughout the league with a lot of the receivers as being a dirty player. He started his career with the Rams, and now he's with the Bills, and he is uh, he's none too well-liked, uh, that's for sure, among some of his uh, peers. I'll just say that. Well, if he has consistently been a dirty player, it tells me that's because the referees are not catching him, whatever he's doing. And which allows it. And of course, Rob, you know, you do anything. It's like a kid, man. If a kid steals a piece of candy from the cook candy jar and you told him not to do it, he looks around, nobody's looking. He's going to keep doing it until you catch him. And that's basically what this is. It, it's, it's, it's along the same lines of what I said all week long about closely watch how the Tampa Bay secondary plays when they're defending against receivers. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay for years has gotten away with more clutching and grabbing than any secondary I've seen in, in recent years. And the same with this thing. Now, this dude is not going to back off until he seriously hurts somebody. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's going to stand there and be apologetic for his style of play. It's a psychological ploy that a lot of DBs use, trying to gain an upper head, trying to make receivers think about it and look around more so than focusing on the ball when they run their routes. But it's also a dangerous gaming place because he's going to he's going to catch somebody at the wrong time and seriously hurt somebody, then he's going to get fined and suspended. Then he's going to have to stand there and apologize. I'm not a dirty player. Yeah, you are, because too many receivers have said it, you know, across the board about you. So I, I put it on the refs first. You got to be starting. You got to – I understand you're watching 22, 22 different movements when a ball is snapped. But you got to catch this guy and make him pay for it now before he seriously hurts somebody. Yeah, uh, I, it, it, it's it's not a coincidence he's involved in another one of these kind of things. Um Zach Taylor saying, you know, he they, they like where where Joe Burrow is right now. Encouraging yeah. signs. I Derek, I just watched him walk to practice through the parking lot to the field, and he's got a big sleeve on the on the you know the the leg of the calf that's injured. He doesn't look like he's moving good to me. Uh, I I think the Bengals are really playing a dangerous game here. I know they're zero and two, but he doesn't look right and. I don't know how. I don't think this one ends well. Uh, the SOS is out. Um, they're zero and two. They didn't expect to be zero and two. Um, the difference was last year your quarterback was was healthy and you and you turned it around and won twelve games. Now you're zero and two with a tough schedule. Um, you're going to play him. And what we're magnified on Joe Burrow now, but other quarterbacks have done it. I can't tell you how many times I saw Aaron Rodgers, you know, come back and play on a short week on a bum ankle and hobble out there and play the game. When you know he he might have had extended rest, but because they needed him, you know you you do what you have to do. If Burrow deems he's healthy enough to get out there, if the doctors and the trainers deem that we're just going to wrap this thing up as tight as we can without cutting off circulation um, and get you out there, we need you out there in the field. You know, and he's just that type of warrior. I mean, players play through injuries all the time. You know, some less effectively than others. But when you look at the drop off from from Joe Burrow, who's who's the backup is. Who's playing the game? Yeah, I guess. But, 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 you know, do do you sit one and hope you get the guy the rest of the year or rather than, I don't know. I I think 
we'll, we'll see. I hope everything works out for him. I, let me put it that way. I don't. He's going to be more of a stationary target for sure. But that's you're right about that. Um, his throwing ability, you got to have him out there with those weapons they have. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, the uh, the Vikings still say they believe in Alexander Madison even after trading for Cam Akers. No, you don't. No, sure you do. No, you don't. Sure no, you do. no, no. Should have never gotten rid of Dalvin Cook, by the way. No, and, and here's why, Rob. Um, you have uh, like sixty something yards, sixty nine yards rushing in two games, and only twenty three carries. Defenses now identify you as a one dimensional offense. We can we can back flood the zones and get more help on Justin Jefferson and and Jordan Addison. Yep, and we we can control their run game with only four men up in front. You bring in a Cam Akers, that's a different type of running back. If you were that confident in 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 in, in Madison, you wouldn't have brought in Cam Akers. Yeah. You know, you won't admit it, but the but those of us on the outside looking in, and even those of us who don't closely watch Minnesota, already know you have no running game. Your offensive line is banged up. Your back is not quick enough to hit the hole and make people miss. He's a power back. Madison is a power back. Yeah. He's the one that softened up the de- softens up a defense for Dalvin Cook to be that home run hitter. You know, you don't have that home run hitter in your backfield. Cam Akers can be that for you again. But you got to get the offensive line healthy before you even think about running the ball with any efficiency. But I like the fact they didn't have to give up a whole lot to give Cam to give to get Cam Akers. I think he's going to help them. But the fact that you've only had 23 carries in two games because you played catch up in both games. You got to get balance in this league. You need more balance. Yep. No question. Uh, a couple of QB updates here, Derek. Uh, two guys still not practicing uh, for starters. Bryce Young out of practice again on Thursday. So it looking like it very well could be Andy Dalton uh, okay. starting for the Panthers. Uh, yeah. he's So that's not great. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Um, so he's out. And then Anthony Richardson still not back from concussion protocol for the Colts. So both the, uh, both the rookies could miss if, uh, Richardson's out, it'll be Minshew. If Young's out, it'll be Dalton. Um, in, in, uh, Dalton's case, he might be the spark that, that Carolina offense and the passing game in particular needs, you know, Young has struggled a little bit more than I'm sure the organization thought he would. And welcome to the world of, of grown man football, Bryce Young. Because when you're only 5'11 and a buck 80, buck 85 playing that position, um, you're going to take your pounding, brother. You know, And those little aches and, aches and pain take a little bit longer to heal up than they do in the college ranks. Um, Andy Dalton might might give them a spark. Minshew in, in Shane Steichen's offense mm-hmm. might be a spark for that team that they need. He understands he's, he's more well-versed in that offense than Anthony Richardson is because he's been with Shane Steichen longer, mm-hmm. you know, and at least Minshew. He, he played pretty well last week when he jumped yeah. in there. And he's mobile too. He can roll out. He can buy yeah. time. He can run if he has to. Mm-hmm. He's not fast, fast, but he's fast enough to make an, a defense play a little bit more honest. So your two backup quarterbacks may be, a, may be the spark that these 0-2 teams need. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, it, you know, Seattle, uh, Carolina gets Seattle. That's going to be a tough spot for them. It's tough, tough spot for any team there. Uh, let me pass this along back to the Eagles here. A.J. Brown speaking said that uh, he and Jalen Hurts are good. The incident caught on camera on Thursday wasn't about targets, he said. It was about something from earlier in the game. 
I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but it, you know, it wasn't about targets. They they got them heated. They've been, they've, been, they've been together a long time, man. Brothers yeah. have differences. You know, you and I are brothers, we argue. We don't I agree with anything. Yep. It's water under the dam. We got a bigger task to look for. We got, you know, and it may not be as fluid as you want it to be Monday night, but at least we're on the same page. Yep. You know, the bottom line is you can have differences of, the, of opinion and not be offended one way or the other by it. It's football, man. That's an adrenaline high that many of us will never know about. Things are done. Things are said in the heat of a moment and you move on. You got a bigger, bigger picture to worry about here. So mm -hmm. I'm good with what, what I'm good with what Jalen said right after the game. And I'm good with what AJ says today. Yeah. I, I think that it, it's like anything else. I would rather they have that kind of discourse, if you will, sure. than, than be, you know, not talking to one another. You, you, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I'm fine. Yeah. It'll be, I don't think it's a big deal. Like I said to you when it, when it happened, I'd rather the, he did it behind closed doors, but it's not a big deal, especially with these two with their history. This is not Donovan and T.O. No, these man. two go way back in their buddies. Yeah. yeah. So it's done. It's squashed. But I tell you what, if AJ's not getting the ball Monday night, the cameras will be honed in on that Eagle sideline. <laughs> I promise you that. I, I, you are correct there. Um, so a lot of different things going on. Uh, Pittsburgh's offensive coordinator is Matt Canada. He's catching a lot of heat, not just from the fans, Derek, but from the from the national pundits at the way Pittsburgh's offense has looked so far. They're they're one of a handful of teams that are really struggling to get anything going offensively. Like Pitt doesn't look the same right now. They can't run the ball at all. I mean, they won that game Monday night because their defense not only made plays, they created turnovers and scored. scored That's how they won that game. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and rightfully so. Um we, I expected to see um, Pickett a little bit further advanced. Yep. If there's one thing, having covered the, the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, if there's one thing they take pride in is similar to the Eagles. They like to be stout and physical in the trenches on both sides, offensive line and defensive line. And this, not, this offensive line is not living up to expectation right now. Mm -hmm. did, they, did they over uh, overestimate and overvalue what they felt they had on that offensive line to the point now – they may have to scramble. You might see some new pieces brought in there yep. in the offensive line. But when you have a running back like Najee Harris, who's a banger, and, you know, you saw him break out a couple of times against Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You know, when you tackle that man in open field, that's making a business decision. <laughs> um, yeah. They, they got to fix this now. Luckily, they're one and one because they very easily could have been 0-2 coming out of that game. Oh, for sure. They, they were they – they were very fortunate they won that game. And, they, you know, there were opportunities to, to pull away a couple times, and they couldn't do it. They, they're they're the defense saved their bacon. They have yes. they have got to be way better offensive. There's, there's, yes, yeah, yeah they got some issues. That's for now, sure. granted. Now, granted, they're banged. They're nicked up at the wide receiver position. I get that, but yep. you still you 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 know in in terms of overall fluidness of your offense, that's got to get a hundred percent better than what you you've shown the first couple of games. Good news for the Lions. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, he returned to practice for them today. Looks like, barring anything, he's got a toe injury. Barring any setbacks, uh, he should be good to go. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a guy who so far 12 catches, 173 yards, a touchdown. You know, he's played 85% of their snaps. They need him. Yeah, you know, they need him. But they're banged up on their offensive line. Yeah, they Taylor are. Decker, uh, yeah. Big V, yeah. and Frank Ragnall. None yeah. of those guys are practicing. Now, Ragnall yeah. is just a rest day, but the other guys, like Decker's got an ankle and, and Big V's got a knee. Absolutely. Um, and and that's that that's 
you know, Big V. Big V has become a big man in Detroit on oh, an yeah. offensive line. And Detroit, Detroit likes to get that running game going. And uh, that's that's going to hurt two two fifths of that offensive line is down. And oh, by the way, who does Detroit play this Sunday? The Atlanta Falcons in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So Atlanta Falcons yeah. who are two and zero. Yes. So that's going to be huge. And to be down in Atlanta Falcons, they like to blitz. Falcons, uh, uh, Detroit being down two fifths of that offensive line, man, yeah. uh, that could, that could force golf to put the ball up in the air a lot more than he wants to. Yep, I agree with you. Um, you know, we've we've been following this since the uh, preseason, but the Chandler Jones saga uh, took another twist yesterday. So the Raiders put him on the non-football injury list. They're concerned for his mental health uh, right now, and you know, a series of bizarre social media posts, and and, and then he pulls him down, then he posts again. Then then threatens he's going to unveil things that he has on them, dirt on the organization. I don't give the Raiders credit, Derek. They have – I think they have really looked at this with his best interest in mind and tried to I help do. him throughout. They have not blasted him. They have not cut him. They're they're trying to get him help right now. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't either. But uh, to me, it sounds like a cry for help in some regard in his mental life. And, uh, and I think – Raiders have handled it as probably as well with kit gloves as you could, because from what we've seen this summer, you don't know when he might explode and all of a sudden to say something that could force the Raiders to go into scramble mode, all hands on deck, trying to defend themselves without it becoming a civil war between them and the player. Uh, Whatever's bothering him. I hope they get this corrected. I hope they uh, get him the help that he needs. Um, so that he can get back to normalcy more so than getting back on the football field. Yeah, that's it. yeah, that's it. I mean, I just hope you know he's got a little time. Go, go, you know, get get the guy some help, and he gets some help yeah, himself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Tariq, did did you know that Tariq Woolen is now Reek? Oh he yeah, goes by, he goes by Reek D Gun. <laughs> hey, look, when you had the kind of rookie season he had, you can call yourself whatever you want. Instead of calling me Derek, my name's Drake from now on. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Rick on me. All right. No, all right. That's too easy. Now, it's funny that, you know, periodically through my marriage, you know, my wife was, well, she'll yell at Drake, you know. And I, I've, always, I've always said, why do, you, why do you call me Drake? And she goes, you know, she goes, I don't know. I just like Drake. So she'll say, she'll yell it out occasionally. See, that's something you never knew about me. I See? like that. Okay. Yeah, really you were Drake before Drake. Drake. Yeah. Yes. She's like, hey, hey, Drake. You know. Is that no, you're in trouble? Drake. Are you in trouble when she says Drake? No. You know, oh, she'll okay. yell, hey, Drake. No, Quan, there will be no dare. No, 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 no. That's not happening, Quan. Sorry. All right. Uh, uh, but he, but I bring it up because he's out with a chest injury. That's a yeah. You know, they're they're playing the Panthers as we mentioned, but that's a big mm. loss for them. We know that guy was unreal last year. Woo. He was phenomenal for them. So that's, for a fifth uh, that, round pick, sixth round pick. Yeah. yeah. You talk about finding that. That's one thing about Seattle, man. They find those long, lean defensive backs in the middle of rounds, man. You know, the Richard, Richard Sherman model. Fifth round pick. Yep. He was 6'5". Look at what he was in his heyday. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, Sean Payton, I said this to you earlier. I, I, if I'm Denver, a uh, Denver fan, I'm saying mm, he's looking to now simplify the play calls, the verbiage. Why? He's looking to trim it down and not make it as complicated for Russell Wilson. Okay. All right. That's how all wordy, it is. How wordy are his plays? Because if you remember – during uh, John Gruden's tenure as a head coach, 
you know, especially when the team had documentaries on it and stuff, stuff like that, people will always talk about how wordy Gruden's yeah. play calls were. And they would ISO him calling plays on the sideline. It's like, man, you take up half of the play clock just getting a play yeah. in. Why zebra banana, all that. All yeah. that From him yeah. getting it into the quarterback, re, you know, uh, reiterating it to the offense, maybe, I don't know how wordy his play calling is, but, you know, you know, you've had all offseason – with Russell Wilson, who is a proven vet to get this stuff in. But you know what, Rob? When, you, when you're when 0-2 and you didn't expect it with a new coach and everybody thought you would be coming out of the gate like gangbusters, you do anything and everything you can to help your team and to calm the team down. And if, if part of it is uh, reducing the verbiage of things you're going to do, hey, that's the next phase of yeah. what's to come. Could be a lot more coming if they don't start winning. Yeah, I mean, look, Wilson's numbers aren't terrible. The, the one thing that stands out to me, he's been sacked nine times already. That, yes. that, that's a big deal, right? For, especially yes. for a guy who's got some mobility. Um, he's completing his passes at 68%. Pretty good number. He's got 485 yards. Solid. Um, only 7.3 yards per completion, but five okay. touchdowns, one pick, 108.5 pass rate. Again, not not terrible. Uh, I would be concerned with what's going on offensive line-wise if the communication's, you know, being good, you know, been good or whatever the case may be uh, as far as that goes. So, um. I'm trying to find it now just to verify what I'm thinking here. Um, when Russell – oh, here it is. Okay. Think about this, Ron. We talk about, you know, the volume of sacks that uh, Russell Wilson has taken. But even in his heyday when he played for a dominant, superior Seattle team. Now, listen to this. He, he, he assumed the starting role as a rookie, okay? Now, this is his entire tenure from 2012 through 2021 in Seattle. All right. I want you to listen to this. And this is all his sack totals. His rookie year, 33. After that, 44, 42, 45, 41, 43, 51, 48, 47, 33. And then last year in his first year in Denver, 55. Oh, my God. I forgot about that last year. So he's been bounced around. And a part of it is Russell scrambles a lot. Sometimes he runs into pursuit which has cost him russell as strong as his arm is as as athletic as he is as much of a houdini as he is russell is also known to hold on to the ball a foot a, a little yeah. bit yep. but when your average tenure for as long as you've been in the league is well over 40 in terms of quarterback sex he he's he's like the old joe burrow look at how many times joe that's burrow a good point yep his young career mm-hmm. russell's sack total i'm surprised the man is upright and breathing right now good point very good point. Um, hey, Eagles-wise, good news here, Derek. James Bradbury is suiting up for practice. I told you. See? Okay. There you go. So he will be out there. Uh, um, the, Jalen was in – or uh, AJ was in a very good mood when discussing, you know, the uh, the whole thing with, uh, with Jalen. Um, he said uh, he's not beefing with Jalen Hurts. He says the incident captured during last week's game was not about targets. It was labeled the interaction as a discussion. Right. Admitted his emotions were high after the game, and he said we're always pushing each other. In right. a, not a literal sense, you know what I mean, in a good way. So all good uh, as far as that goes. There you go. Didn't expect it to be anything major. Yeah, uh, for sure. All right, See, Doug. You, you people in the media are always trying to drum up stories. You people. Blaming you, Derek Gunn. You need to be more like me. That's I'm right. The, I'm the more like Drake. Be more like Drake. Be more like Drake. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Uh, Doug Peterson. Now, Jacksonville's offense is not exactly lighting the world on fire with all the talent that they have. And and 
Doug in one sense is saying, yeah, it's early, but nah, we don't really have any more excuses. Like it's time to start showing, show me the baby, as they say. Uh, show, and show me the baby. You know that. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me about the, the, the childbirth or whatever. Yeah, Just show yeah. me the baby. But uh, Jacksonville so far, uh, they're one and one, you know, record wise, but you know, Lawrence has been okay. Two touchdowns, one pick, not great. Six sacks, 84 passer rating. Travis Etienne's averaging less than four yards per game per, per rush on the ground. Calvin Ridley's been good, not great. Christian Kirk's been good, not great. Evan Ingram's been good, not great. Overall, just at eh, so far for them. That's that's uh shocking to me. I, and I'm glad Doug said that, dude. And, and, and based on the names that you just mentioned, the fact that Trevor Lawrence only has two touchdown passes through two games. And only and one INT, and he's only been sacked six times, is a little eye-opening. When you've got the wealth of athleticism and size and speed, Ridley, big receiver. Christian Kirk, smaller, but you know, very fast. Evan Ingram, big uh, tight end. Zay Jones can flat out fly. And they use Etienne uh, coming out of the backfield as well. I'm surprised the passing game um has not been more dominant than than what it's shown, you know, uh, up to this point. And that they're being um, inconsistent in terms of how many points. You know, they scored they scored 31 against Indianapolis, but that was a lopsided game, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Um, but only 17 against Kansas City, which is not a dominant defense. Now, defensively, they held Kansas City to 17 points, but they only scored nine points in that entire game oh. at home, at home against Kansas City. Yep. That is that is I'm Doug Peterson, who is known for having creative, explosive offenses. That is a little concerning. No, I can't be happy about that uh, if I'm Doug. That's for sure. Um, all right, beyond that, Derek Stingley uh, will not play, could miss several weeks with a hamstring. That was one of the fears with him, Derek, coming out of LSU. Yeah. Was he did miss a lot of time. Um, unbelievably talented. And and Houston took him high, you know, and believing in him. Yep. So uh, he's going to be out for a minute here. You, you hate the, the soft tissue stuff, man. You just with the calf and the hamstring and the groin. You never know how guys respond to it. So yeah. it could be multiple games. That's a shame. Yeah. They need him. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan's needs him out there. Um, not going to happen. I hope he heals up quickly. You know, the younger you are, the quicker you heal. But mm-hmm. that hamstring injury is a tricky one, man. Oof. Sure is. Sure yeah. is. All right. Warren Sapp uh, told Rich Eisen that Dude. in 2024, he's going to be joining Dion's staff. He's, he said he wants to coach the next generation of great defensive linemen. Um, Shouldn't a head coach have somewhere down the road, maybe after this season, kind of made that announcement? Should you kept that under wraps? Well, I'm you know, sure I'd have to check. I'm pretty sure he has a defensive line coach. That guy's got to be like, um, am I out of here? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> was yeah, Sapp yeah. edited? What's going yeah, on here? What's going on here? I'm just yeah. trying to keep a job and do the best thing I can possibly do here. That's where but, I think Dion maybe made a little call, like, yo, Warren, like, dude, no. lay low. Not only that, but you already have a flamboyant, outspoken head coach. Yeah. Who is who has who has pulled the the college football world to Boulder, Colorado, to make it the epicenter of college football right now? You know Warren Sapp is outspoken and might say some things. And you look at his history, you know some of the trouble he's gotten into, gotten fired by NFL Network, yeah. things of that nature. Has Warren truly learned his lesson? You know, it seems like all of a sudden everybody wants to be a part of the Colorado tra- you know train moving down the tracks right now. You know, um, I think Warren Sapp 
as a coach would be a great coach. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, but I'm concerned about the vocal Warren Sapp, number one. Yeah. Um, and how that might make Colorado just a little bit uneasy if he goes into there goes in and does something he, he shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, so there's two things. I'd be worried about him, period, off the field. I'd be worried. You rarely hear a whole lot from college assistants, if you think about it. Yeah. How often do you hear from coordinators? Not a ton or whatever, or just position coaches. Not much. Dion will take most of that airtime, which is fine. Absolutely. I don't know that Warren can't help himself, you know, at times. Yes. not say anything. You know, when I, when I saw the clip yesterday on X slash Twitter, um, I'm looking at some of the comments made underneath it. And one of the, probably the best comment made was, Dion is assemb- assembling the Avengers and coaches. <laughs> I'm like, that is the greatest. That's line a great line. Yeah. He's assembling the Avengers yeah. and coaches. I mean, you got a you got a Hall of Fame head coach. And if, if it's true what Warren's saying, you got a Hall of Fame D line coach, or you know, hey, who's to say he can't get a few more Hall of Famers in there? Oh, listen, the momentum this thing has absolutely how many guys who played with him, played against them, yes. are, are gonna want to jump into this thing or Guys who have coached at the college level the whole lives who are maybe out of a gig right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. I, and not to mention, think about the recruiting trail. Oh, he is going to be getting the primo players now. It's going to be unbelievable. If, if I'm Dion, I'm telling, I'm telling the university, you know what? We send out, like a lot of universities, we use a lot of paper in terms of sending out these glossy brochures to potential recruits. Let me just get on with them on a Zoom. I don't even need let me just talk to him on a Zoom. Yeah. Oh, why, why send out the paperwork? Save yourself the postage. Yep. Use that money. That You know how many thousands and thousands of do- dollars that is for every university that uses that brochure to send out to, to recruit uh, potential uh, student athletes to your university? Mm-hmm. If I'm Dion, I'm not leaving my office. And if I have to go visit somebody, I will. But for the most part, I'm visiting with you and your mom and dad right from the comfort of your living room in my office. And we can talk all you need to want to talk about, man. What a, yeah. what a good marketing ploy. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that have jumped on this Colorado bandwagon, especially entertainers and just average football fans. But there's still a good faction out there that can't wait to see Colorado lose to shut Dion up. And everybody, you know, obviously the Ozmakers feel that there's no way Colorado's going to beat Oregon in Eugene. Um, but I will say this. If Colorado goes one and one, in the next two games, one and one, or Oregon and USC, they're legit. Mm-hmm. There's no question they're legit. Go one and one. If you split, you lose the USC or you lose the Oregon. Okay. If you go one and one, that's a legit program in terms of being considered heavily to move into the top ten down the road. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, lastly, you alerted me to this. I don't know what to make of this. So Sports Illustrated, which let me tell you, I, I I subscribed to it for years and years and years and years, and yeah. I loved it. I couldn't wait when I when it would arrive in the mail. I would be so excited. Okay, I loved it. But we know what's happened with a lot of magazines. It's just things change, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, I don't know that they're doing nearly as well uh, as they were. Uh, I don't think they are. But they're starting sports themed resorts in college towns. Yes. Why don't you pick it up from there? You, you got a little more on this than I do. And, and the and the first one to drop will be in 
2025 in Tuscaloosa, which is football heaven, University That's of where Alabama. Alabama is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would imagine they're going to do this in, in prominent places like Athens, Georgia, Tallahassee, Florida, mm-hmm. Columbus, Ohio. You know, the big time. It's it's great in terms of you know uh, putting your product in a money making market, but with the advent of Air- Airbnbs and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, for a lot of people, it's going to come down. What's your price compared to what I can get in an Airbnb and so on and so forth? Um, from from what I saw, it's going to have a um, full-service hotel, mm-hmm. a vacation club, whatever the heck that is. A vacation uh, club, okay. A vacation club. I don't know what the heck that is. And residential condos. So you can actually buy a property to live on there also? To live near the campus? Of your of, of your desire, interesting. I I kind of like it actually. I mean, the only pro, the only thing I would ask is, <clears throat> are you going to get enough use out of it for the six or seven dates that you get at home? Yeah, that's all you get in college football. Yeah, that's it. Right. I mean, is that going to maximize your buck? Like, what what are you going to do in the summertime? What are you going to do in February? Are, are people going to come to these places just to be around like Alabama football? I, I don't know. I I don't know. I think they would use them for like conventions, things of that nature, but still that's one time event, mm-hmm. you know, um, what else do you do in those towns once football is over, you know, and those are decent sized towns, Athens, Tal- uh, you know, Tallahassee, but outside of that, you're right. And SI has not, had the subscriptions they've had in years past, just like newspapers. Right. You know, nobody's read nobody reads newspapers anymore. You get all your news online from that publication. Same thing with Sports Illustrated, same thing with Sports Magazine, ESPN the magazine. You know, everything is online subscriptions now. You don't have to buy the product. So where do you get the money from? I, I don't know. Uh maybe, maybe they're doing, excuse me, well enough digitally on the digital side of this thing uh, with eyeballs on them uh, or I know they do some podcasting and whatnot, but I don't know, Derek, I don't pretend to understand that business model. Uh, you know, and what it's all about. I don't. The, the only thing I could see Rob is because SI has such a, a prominent and respected name. Maybe they got big time investors. You know, there are a lot of big, big corporations that like to latch on to anything that pertains to sports, especially big time sports. And all of a sudden, you know, um, SI has a hundred million dollars in backers, which is nothing compared to some of these for some of these big companies. Right. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you they're calling on a lot of past um, entities that bought ads in their magazine. I bet you that's what they're doing. Could be. Yeah, it could be for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout, Derek. Uh, we'll do birthdays. We're going to do NFL pretenders. Who you think is real? Who do you think is not? We will dive into that mm. when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We are big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. 
Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E A G L E S Eagles. Back, final segment of the show. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. Appreciate you hanging with us. All right, Derek. So I'm going to give you not all the 2 0 teams. Yes. But I'm going to give you some of the teams uh, that are 2 0. And you tell me. Um, if you think they're real, what I mean by that is uh, they'll get into the playoffs. They'll make a playoff run. Something like that. I don't necessarily mean win the Super Bowl, okay? Okay. Ravens, do you think they keep it up? You believe her. Um, look at the next games. Uh, home against Indy, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Those are winnable games for them. They could start out 5-0. and Then they got Tennessee, Detroit. Those are going to be tough games. Uh, but both of them are in Baltimore. The real test for this team is when they have to go Seattle, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Chargers. Those are going to be four tough games for them. They are. Um, I like what I see from the Ravens defensively. J.K. Dobbins was a huge loss for that team. I'm still seeing Lamar take off and run too much. 
Um, I'm not going to sit here right now based on what I've seen from Baltimore and say I think they can push Cincinnati for that divisional title, even though they're two games up on Cincy right now. I still believe it when they're both at even strength, Cincinnati is a much better team um, overall. The Ravens' schedule is favorable. I do think they will have a winning season. I'll say that. I think I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a deep run playoff team. Right. Okay. That's, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's where I think they are. I mean, they're good. They're too talented. Lamar can do enough things. Harbaugh's too good a coach. They have enough defensive pieces. They've done more trying to add to the offense. So I, I think they're good. They're in a tough division, as you mentioned. There's the real hard stretches of that schedule. I think they will yep. come back to earth a little bit. So yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Commanders two and zero. Next game out of the gate is at home against Buffalo this Sunday. That's going to be the big test. Yeah. And then, well, technically, the next two games, they go from at home against Buffalo to at the Eagles. Right. I think that's when we get a true gauge. I like what I've seen from the Sam Howell. He was the unknown uh, entity. Uh, I like what I've seen. Uh, He doesn't seem to get rattled. Uh, Athletic, can run, good arm. But I still think – when you look at the rest of their schedule, especially that stretch when they hit Dallas and Miami and the Rams, and then after that, their last two games of the season are against San Francisco and Dallas, back-to-back. Both of those games, to their credit, um, they're at home. I still think when in the final analysis, Washington is that team that sits right at sea level, and I can't get a gauge on whether I see them at 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, something okay. like that. Yeah, I, I think, but I, I, I think that's right. I don't think either one of those records gets you in. I will say this. If somehow, some way, Washington, if they do finish 10 and 7, but don't get in the playoffs, that's a big win for them season wise. Big win. That's where it's going to be interesting to see what Josh Harris does with Ron Rivera. With Ron Rivera. If tell, but if they if they finish 10 and 7, yeah. Sam Howell's numbers are better than they are worse. It tells me Eric Bianami was the right guy for this team at this time, and they do have potentially the future quarterback of this organization is Sam Howell. Yep. Uh, before we continue with this, let me give you a couple updates from practice. Yep. yep. James Bradbury, Reed Blankenship, Kenneth Gainwell, all practicing. They're there all go. practicing. Okay. There you go. Uh, Bradbury concussion, Reed Blankenship ribs, Kenny Gainwell ribs. Quez Watkins is working out on a side field to start practice. He's dealing with a hamstring. So that, I don't know we'll what that means, but good yep. news. That's good. I mean, you're getting two big pieces back defensively and, you know, more options in your running game. That's, that's encouraging. That's I'll take encouraging. that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Falcons 2-0 as we pick it back up here. Woo! Uh, Falcons next two games at Detroit and at home against Jacksonville. Those are two huge tests for this team. I like what I saw. I got to see a good piece of that uh, Atlanta Green Bay game. I love their running game. I love how they fly around on defense. Um you know me. I love Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Drake London is 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 really grown. Um, after that, they have Houston, Washington, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Minnesota, and then Arizona, and then New Orleans, and then the Jets. I think Arizona is going to be legit. I honestly think. Looking at their schedule, Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. I, I think Atlanta is going to be legit. Okay. I do. Based I like Atlanta. Yeah, you know, I've been on them all year, so I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm buying them. I'm still saying they're going to finish second behind New Orleans, though. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, oh, uh, still no, Bo- still no Boston Scott right now. Ooh, 
Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, Penny, Penny will be up as of now. Well, it's still Thursday. They have a few more days to make that determination. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, a little oh. more time. See what happens. Uh, Saints 2-0. We, I think you kind of just answered that. You, you, you're you're believing that. You're buying that. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm buying it. Man, I look, I look at the Saints schedule. At Green Bay, I think it's a tough one for them. That's going to be a tough one. But then you have Tampa Bay, New England, Houston, Jacksonville, Indy, Chicago, Minnesota, Atlanta, and then later in their schedule, they have Carolina, Giants, Rams, Tampa Bay, Atlanta. That's how they close out their season. Mm-hmm. And I think even though they're having problems offensively right now, the defense is going to hold it down. Alvin Kamara has one more game suspension, and then he's going to come back. And he is lethal both in the running and passing game, which will help things up, open up tremendously for Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Um, yes, I think, I think New Orleans, based on his schedule and in getting Kamara back, I think they're still the cream of the crop of that division. Okay. Uh, last one, the Bucks. I'm not buying the Bucks at all. But I'm not yeah. buying the Bucks. Based, based, as well as Baker Mayfield has played, uh, he's still Baker Mayfield. And you got a big test Monday night against the Eagles. And it, on a short week, you've got to play. And when I say short week, six days later, you got to play at New Orleans in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. So you go Eagles at home, at New Orleans, Detroit at home, Atlanta at home, at Buffalo. I don't see him sustaining that. I really don't. Okay. I don't either. I I think that, um, look, good start, but I don't think ultimately there's enough there, and I just don't trust Baker to stay consistent like he's been in the early going here so far. All right, let's do some birthdays. You ready? Well, let's see here, Mr. Ellis, because there's some really good ones here. All this right. is a good one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stephen King, one of the one of the most prolific writers we have ever seen, uh, and 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 so many of his works have been adapted to the screen. It's just incredible. But he's 76 today. Stephen King, fascinating guy. The great Bill Murray. Bill Murray, 73 today. Uh, what's your favorite Bill Murray? I got to go Caddyshack, man. Because it has to be Caddyshack. It has to be. He's a Cinderella story. What <laughs> <laughs> the best lines ever. <laughs> it's the greatest. The it's greatest. in a hole. It's in a hole. Yes. Oh, um, all right. So um, Jason Derulo, great artist, great musical yeah. artist, 34 years old. Uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, you know, one of the great uh, composers uh, we have seen, born in 1934. Luke Wilson. The actor is 52 years old. He's Owen Wilson's brother, uh, old school among his uh, credits. H.G. Wells, 1866, D-Gun. Uh, the, he's dubbed the inventor of science fiction. One thing I loved about H.G. Wells, and I learned this as a kid, it was a fascinating story. You know, back in the 30s, um, they would have, CBS radio would have announcers and uh, they would bring in talent to read books on air. Like, like they were a show, self-contained show. So H.G. Wells wrote the book War of the Worlds. Yep. And this happened in like um, 1938. Okay. So, you know, Orson Welles, the narrator, great voice for narration. They had yeah. a collection of a- actors and stuff yeah. in there. So they're doing War of the Worlds and even have it sounding like there's a reporter live on scene, you know, and the, you know what I'm saying? The book I is, know exactly where you're going. The book is based on aliens invading the earth and this black gas is a poisonous gas. A lot of people around the country listening thought this was real. They tuned in, didn't know what the setup was and no. actually thought it was real and panic started to the point where they've changed 
FCC rules when it comes yes. to this stuff. Yeah. The phone the phones were flooding. The, you know, back then phones were so primitive they couldn't have handle the volume. And they had, they had like mayors and governors calling from different states and cities saying, can you tell these people? It's, I got people panicking here. I believe now this is the one part that's not that's not funny. Uh, when I was so younger and I, there were people that actually committed suicide because they thought the world had ended. Oof. You know, that's how bad it was. But yeah. you had people running through the streets panicking yeah. to the point the entire cast, when they were done with our live on air production for CBS radio. There were so many people in New York outside of the building. The entire cast had to be ushered out a back door. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It was it was bad. Oof, that's wild. Um, all right. Faith Hill, uh, the singer, Tim McGraw, uh, she's married to is 56 years old. Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, of course, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, Fresh Prince, he does tons of stuff. He's 52 today. Nancy Travis, the actress, is 62. Liam Gallagher from Oasis is 51. Larry Hagman. I dream a genie Dallas. He was born in 1931. Who shot on this yeah. Who shot Jr. Maggie Grace. The actress is 40. Jerry Bruckheimer. The great uh, producer is 80 today. Ethan Cohen. One of the great directors is 66. Dave Coulier is yeah. 64 today. Cheryl Hines is 58 uh, today. Um, Don Felder, who was one of the guitarists from the Beatles or from the Eagles. Uh, 1935. Henry Gibson. Uh, was born nine, uh, 55 years old as Ricky Lake. 70 is Bob Huggins. 66, Sidney Moncrief, former Buck. My man. There you go. Oh, Sydney. Uh, Rob Morrow, the actor, 61. Artist Gilmore, the yes. former uh, big man uh, in the NBA, is 74 today. Rick Mahorn is 65. What else do you have birthdays? Uh, you went so fast, man. You, uh, let's see. Uh, we're up against it. You got Doug Baldwin, former Seattle Seahawks, 35. Greg Jennings, another former Packers, 40. Uh, you said Rick Mahorn, John Kitna, 51 today, the former quarterback. Doug Moe, former coach. He was a coach of the Sixers, 92 to 93, is 85 today. Keith Smart with the game-winning shot against Syracuse. Yep. Yep. He only played one season in NBA. Everywhere else was overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, he's 59. He's a coach today. Cecil Fielder, another great Milwaukee player, yep. uh, 60 today. Jimmy Clausen, a former Notre Dame quarterback, is 36. Remember Bill Curtis and CBS. Morning. Oh, I love Bill Curtis, man. That's He's eighty-three. Uh, is he Ari really? Wow. Yeah, Ari, Ari Dyke, the Formula One racer, former is seventy-one, and Christian Serratos uh, from The Walking Dead. She is thirty-three on this day. All right, all right. Quickly through movies. Uh, Nineteen seventy-five, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, Two thousand seven, Into the Wild. Twenty twelve, The Master. Twenty twelve, Good Luck Chuck. Twenty twelve. Uh, perks of being a wallflower. What else do you have? Last one. Um, well, two 2018 Quincy, the story of Quincy Jones, and 2012 great movie with Clint Eastwood, Trouble with the Curve. It's oh, I love movie. that movie. That's a, yeah, it's a very good, good uh, Justin Timberlake is in that. That's yep. a very good movie. Um, all right, we are out of time. Uh, what a thing you're off tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. Yes, I am. You're leaving, uh, you're leaving me hanging. I'm headed to uh, Columbia, South Carolina for two days to prepare for the weekend. Are you gonna Are you gonna see a game while you're there? I'm going to see Carolina, Mississippi State. You Saturday got tickets? Night. SEC baby, I'm going. You got tickets? We worked out a little parent deal. We worked it out, man. So we're going. What? Yeah. Good Fine for next you, Sunday. man. Yeah, I'll have fun. Thank you, Tone. Thanks for producing, man. Tone to Shields, Great excellent job. You, bro. 
Yeah, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, oh, everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. Don't go anywhere. The National Football Show with Dan Cilio is coming your way. Derek and cast and crew will have fun tomorrow. D-Gun, looking forward to hanging back out with you uh, next week. Thank you, my man. All right. See you.